What is up, Modern Talkers? This is Modern Talk. Um, I'm doing this one from Myrtle Beach, baby. Uh, this intro is from Myrtle Beach, but this uh, podcast, the meat of it at least, is uh, from Costa Rica. So I'm calling it the Podcast Rica because, <laughs> frankly, I'm hilarious. Uh, <laughs> um, this is uh, Luke Whipple. He used to be my youth group pastor, um, and now he's like the real assistant pastor, which is cool. Um, I've been been with him like since day one, so uh, I got to have this like f- front row seat to his come up and stuff. So uh, that's fun. Um, I didn't notice it at the time, but. During the podcast, I use a lot of filler words. Um, I guess it was because I was tired, but the bottom line is it's really annoying and I'm sorry. Um, Luckily, Luke did most of the talking. I didn't talk a whole lot, which is good. Um, uh, I listened to um, the audiobook Comedy Sex God by um, Pete Holmes, uh, doing this trip a little bit, and I reference it in the podcast, um, I just think that's a interesting supplemental, uh, tidbit, um, we talk about, um, being a leader, uh, in this podcast, and, um, Luke is, like, a reluctant leader, um, he doesn't really necessarily like leading, um, but that's kind of his role at the moment, um, in general. And, uh, I'm pretty sure I've referenced this before, but a Childish Gambino line, um, that I think about a lot is what's a leader if he, if he isn't reluctant. And, um, I think because reluctancy is, means like they're not going to be drunk with power and like be, be too obsessed with how they are and what they can do, but what they can do for others, not for themselves. Um, usually if a leader is reluctant. So we, we like a reluctant leader. Um, Cooper from the last podcast, um, uh, comes and gives us something twice. So that's happening when we briefly talk to someone else. Uh, we we started out the podcast in the kitchen doing the um doing it there but then some of the girls on the trip wanted to oh did I yeah it's a mission trip that's why we were in Costa Rica Luke and I and uh 10 I think it was like 14 so me and 12 other people uh were on the trip so some of the girls on the trip wanted to make no bake cookies uh, which is like a very uh, special treat um, over there. And uh, so we had to go somewhere else while they did the no-bakes. Um, I included the picture. Uh, yeah, so I I put a lot, I think I mentioned this before, but I put a lot of um, stuff that we reference or like, supplemental things like comedy sex god or um uh or like pictures that um we reference or 
like help you understand or feel like you're there uh, on tommywaitcom slash podcast. Um, and so, and it's usually slash podcast slash whoever it is like this one slash Luke Whipple. And, uh, so I put a picture, um, of the table that we ended up doing this, um, this podcast at, uh, and one of the girls, um, uh, say in the podcast, podcast in Costa Rica, seriously? <laughs> and it's kind of hard to tell because Luke is also talking at, at the beginning of it. But, uh, that's what, that's what she says. Um, Jake was there too, uh, who was also in the last podcast. And, uh, I said in the intro of the last podcast, um, he was like mentioned or no, he was in the last full one and he was in the intro for the last, last one too. Uh, if you're listening to these in sequential order, um, just so you can kind of make these connections. He makes a little cameo in the beginning. He says, Claybjorn. Uh, that's Claybjorn. Um, <laughs> which is a fake name that we think is funny. <laughs> and said it maybe 45 times a day. <laughs> that's how funny we thought it was for some reason. Um, there's something else I wanted to say. It's all good, though. Um, we used, uh, a mic that Luke brought for recording. Uh, he wanted to record the, uh, church service there, but I also used my phone to record as a backup because I did a pa- podcast with my previous pastor and the audio got messed up. So I wasn't taking any chances to mess this one up with Luke's podcast, especially with unknown circumstances that come along with like Costa Rica. So you hear, uh, we switch back and forth from the different audio sometimes. Um, and, oh, that's the other thing I wanted to say. Pete is on this trip. Um, I'm on vacation right now, right before, uh, school. Um, uh, Pete's, Pete was on with, um, uh, Garrett, if you remember him. And Pete was in the intro from two times ago, I think. Anyway, um, he's a big, uh, big supporter of the show. <laughs> um, uh, Luke's at Pastor Whips. I think we talk about it at the end. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm getting ready, like, in two days, I think. Yeah, in two days I'm going to be back at school. Um, and, uh, doing things, (laughs) um, I'll, I'm making a movie, like, for my senior thesis film, my senior thesis is making a film, and it's gonna be about 12 minutes, and, uh, I'm gonna need a lot of help from everybody, (laughs) so if I hit you up, please be nice, um, because I need so much help, because it makes, it takes a village to make a movie, and it's going to be nuts, but, uh, I hope I could still get some podcasts out at some point too, but you might not hear from me for a while cause I'm going to be in fully director mode, writer and director mode. 
Um, and yes, the two songs that I put on here were the two songs that I kept listening to over and over and over on the trip. So, cause that kind of made sense to, to put those, those, uh, um, those songs on there to, cause it, it's, it's, it's like a timestamp to me. Uh, so this, it's Pink Toes is the first one by Childish Gambino. Uh, that's a really pretty song and feels like summer by Childish Gambino and feels like summer. Obviously we were there. Actually it was their rainy season, but it felt like summer to us for sure. And it was summertime, uh, to us. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, let's get into it. Rainbows, sunshine, everywhere go. Rainbows, sunshine. Go. Rainbows, sunshine. Rainbows, sunshine. Rainbows, sunshine. Yeah. Rainbows, sunshine. I thought I told you about it. As I look fly by prom night, go. Bingo, 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 bingo
Africa. You find if I put them on the counter? Yeah. That's good audio. <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> Stop of ASMR. Thing. You do? You are doing a wonderful <laughs> You listen to that? Not, not time to go to sleep. I just think it's really funny. Yeah. Alright, All right, so. You ready? I like that you're higher than me. High like the most high. <laughs> Let me see, is this one? It says song. Okay. Check one, two. Check. I just don't see it. Picking up a. Show me a shot. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, it's a. Uh, not yet. It's still stopped, but it's it's picking up good audio. That's a pretty good peak. Okay. 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 Good. I think so. Okay. So how are you? First question. <laughs> I don't get an introduction. I do it in, in the in the intro. In the post. Yeah, in the post. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I am good. So it's we're in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I just got out of the shower. <laughs> I was covered in cement. For a long time. Yeah, I think I scraped <laughs> off three layers of skin yeah. to just get uh, cleaned off Yeah, because it was stuck to me. But I think I'm good. And I'm excited to be on Modern Talk. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. Thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want it to feel like we're just like getting coffee at Panera like we do sometimes. Okay. So like, Or eating chocolate chips off the counter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you don't have to like talk specially or anything um, okay right because you said you were worried about like what my audience would want but i think they just want whatever like give the pure, people what they yeah, want that's pure. what i heard but they just want the real yeah the real mm -hmm. yeah nothing like not like too like interviewee like you're not on a talk show <laughs> i gotcha yeah i think you understand even though um, the name of the show is Modern talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the modern talk. It's show. meta. <laughs> yeah. So meta. Exactly. Okay. Um and I kinda wanna like humanize the preacher, not that like you're not human, but like kinda like make people understand more about <laughs> preachers and because I don't think a lot mm -hmm. of people know about like their everyday okay. lives and like they kind of just would you be surprised if under my skin suit there is a like a robot skeleton <laughs> a little bit yeah <laughs> we can't humanize this Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, really out there that's okay that's the stuff i want okay um so, real <laughs> yeah the real weird stuff um okay. i like there's random crocs on the ground too mm -hmm. um yeah so it's 9 21 <laughs> Oh, Did we just get locked in? Someone's breaking in. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Costa Ricans are out to kill us. <laughs> I think we're okay. Yeah. I'm not sure what they're doing. Okay. Um. So how we know each other. I don't, like, have a... Should we get that? Yeah. I'll pause it. Does that sound good? Yeah. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, hey. Maybe, maybe come in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, he was, but it's okay. Look at Luki. I'm eating chocolate. <laughs> I know. Did you guys want to come in here? So we can go somewhere else. I just want. Do you want to? Do you want me to get the stuff? For no bakes. I thought you had it. That's why we came in. Oh no! I we were, he wanted to record his podcast, so I can go up and get it, and you guys can make it. Costa Rica, seriously? Huh? Mm-hmm. It's what? international. Yeah, I'll go get it. <laughs> Thomas is no. from hell. Can you say Claybjorn? What? You say Claybjorn for the fans? Is it still recording? Yeah. Claybjorn. Thank you. <laughs> oh, what setting? You get the lights. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna need to come over right beside you. Okay, yeah. And you just wanna start over again? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <clears throat> you wanna sit here or? I'll sit right there. Okay. Oops. okay it's yeah. running. All right, do you wanna spray up? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good yes. idea. Yes. <laughs> All right, here you go. I got it already. Okay, thank you. I think we're going. Okay. Alright. Yeah, we could go from the top a little bit. So, um, I wanted to just feel like we're at a coffee shop and relaxing and talking like friends. Like, we are friends. And, (laughs) um, uh, yeah, I wanted to humanize uh, the preacher a little bit because it's um, not a lot of people really know like the day-to-day life about a preacher, they might just like come and see him uh, or her. Thank you. <laughs> or her, yeah. um, uh, once a week and not really think about everything else that goes into all of that, so. Okay, sounds great. Um, so how we know each other, uh, you kind of like slipped into my life and I don't remember the like first time I met you. But I remember the first time that I um, heard about you uh, was, you know how you, like when you're younger, you don't really pay attention to like people that you don't know that well. Sure. So you, I think you did the talent show for church, um, the same talent show that you'll bring up later, I think, about the poem. Okay. Yeah. Um, you like sung or something, and then I didn't know who you were, and. Uh, my parents said to Rachel, like, oh, he's, like, really cute. Like, what's his deal? And then Rachel, your now wife, said, uh, oh, he's oblivious. And, like, <laughs> um, uh-huh. didn't think you had any interest in her. Uh, and so I don't remember, yeah, yeah like, meeting you because we've known each other so long. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. What What's your <laughs> backstory? What's my take on it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember meeting me? Well, I'm glad that we aren't just pretending to be friends, but you feel like we are. So let I me think, say yeah. that that's good. And let me also just say, because the people who listen to Modern Talk, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if they can hear the crickets and things. Yeah. But we are sitting on the edge of a, like almost like a cliff, like yeah. a hillside, yeah. uh, overlooking a pretty beautiful sight, except it's behind us. So, <laughs> so we're really just looking at uh, the, the leaves and things. But we're in Costa Rica. Yeah. Uh, so to come full circle, how I met you is that uh, I knew this girl named Rachel <laughs> through college. Yeah. 
And her and I, when we were in college, uh, we went to a, a small liberal arts Christian college, uh, Grove City, mm-hmm. and um, there were a lot of students who wanted to use their spring or fall breaks uh, to go and do mission work. And so we, uh, our senior year of college at Grove City, took students to this place, Costa Rica, where we're at right now. Right. And a year later, Rachel said, my church is going to go to um, Costa Rica again, the same church. You can see the same people. Do you want to come along? And I'm really thankful for the invitation, but one of the things we did to get ready for that trip to Costa Rica is we did a fundraiser, which was a chili cook-off and talent oh. show. Oh, wow. And uh, so I made like cornbread and helped serve it, and then <laughs> I brought my guitar to sing some songs. And my first memory of you, even though... Uh, you know, apparently I didn't really wow you as a uh, 10 or 11 year old. That's okay. Yeah. Um, my first memory of you is that Rachel, my wife now, uh, was um, reading some kind of poem to embarrass you yeah. at like 10 or 11 years old in front of all the people, which was probably like 150 people that saw you sit in a chair, look really uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't even remember Rachel sitting in the chair. Read this poem to you. So, anyway, uh, and then. So I, I was oblivious, <laughs> maybe, uh, to Rachel. Um, but the reality is I, I knew at the time how much she liked me. Oh, you uh, did? Yeah. Okay. And we have a long story to that. But essentially, um, I knew that but uh, and didn't feel like I had the same feelings at the time for mm. Rachel that she did with me. And yeah. sometimes when you know someone... Uh, want something else out of a relationship that you're not ready to give it at times makes you want to back away from that person mm. but with Rachel I still knew that she was really special yeah uh, and really wanted to have a friendship with her but I was na- I was trying to navigate the friend zone yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. as best as I could <laughs> with someone who didn't want the friend zone and that really frustrated her right. so if uh, you're listening and you're going through that I'm sorry <laughs> you know but sometimes relationships are complicated yeah yeah, that was a really good backstory. That was very well navigated, interwoven my story too. That was immaculate. <laughs> um, so I want to know, like, what an average day for you at home is like. So, like, let's say it's um on Monday after church. Well, that's your off day, probably, right? No, I work on Mondays. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, what's your like first day of work after um so monday to be quite honest feels like i'm living with a hangover after mm-hmm. like a weekend bender yeah yeah <laughs> because uh, uh sunday's a really long day there's a lot that happens yeah. and uh uh so i think there's like, some mental and physical exhaustion that build up definitely but uh so usually monday i'm going to work but uh, i'm also just trying to recover so i'll go over I mean, it depends. I, I live right next door to the church yeah. in a house that the church provides. That's the uh, word for it is a parsonage. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to just walk over. And being in ministry, um, uh, I can kind of set my own schedule. So there are things I need to get done in a timely way. But it's not like a n- normal 9 to 5 where if I don't punch my card at a certain time, mm-hmm. there's someone who's upset or I'm, I'm not uh, letting somebody off on their shift. So it's just... <laughs> shift with an F, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
so Monday I kind of trickle in uh, after maybe waking up, helping the kids. Uh, my, I have two children, uh, four and two years old. So wow. helping them yeah. get out of the bed already. Uh, and <laughs> helping them make the bed. Though to be quite honest, this is where my wife's a real gift to me. Is some days I again I, it just feels uh, like I have a headache and mm -hmm. I, I feel pretty exhausted. Sometimes yeah. my wife will get up ahead of me and she'll make breakfast for the kids and they'll be downstairs already and Dad will be trying to get out of bed and to the shower. So uh -huh. uh, I would love to be one of those people that after a really long day, 6 a.m. <laughs> you know you're up. <laughs> You know, hitting the gym or, you know, hitting the road, running, doing a shower, all that stuff. But that's yeah. not always me. And so, so Monday's kind of just trying to get it started, get the wheels going. And uh, uh, work in a church is really built around Sunday, even though Sunday's not the only day where people are coming in or where things are happening in the church. But it's like you get through Sunday, and I kind of think uh, more than. Uh, the experience that of people who not in ministry who have it is kind of more like uh, Saturday Night Live. If you <laughs> were to work on that, like it's like you do all this work and preparation to get ready for one event, which is Saturday night. Yeah. And then once you get through it, there's a feeling of accomplishment, or even t at times like a feeling of this could be better and yeah. uh, it can be refined. Yeah. But then it's just you do it, and then you got to go back on the horse again and make it happen again at the end of the week. So yeah. I think I always think that probably in terms of similarities of what work and life experience is like, I bet the cast of SNL feels like what a preacher feels like. <laughs> wow! Yeah. The week, so that's cool. Um, do you want to go through a Sunday? Because I know there's a lot that goes into that. Um, so, like the whole day? Yeah. Yeah, um, so we get up and normally what my wife and I try to do is get some coffee in us to yeah. get, our, get our tank going. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then we try to throw something in the crock pot because we're going to be at the church from about quarter to eight till about 1230 or quarter to one. Mm -hmm. So by the time we get back, walk back over to the house, uh, we're hungry and so we want to eat. So yeah. we normally try to start our morning by getting something ready to eat. Uh, that's that'll be ready when we get back and then I go over to the church and there's a crew of wonderful older people who show up at 730 to turn the lights on and make sure everything's ready yeah. and I'm there to help them make sure uh, any kind of kinks getting ready for worship are there yeah. I, I meet with the other pastor the senior pastor of the church and we just confer notes make sure we understand what we're gonna do uh, through our two services um, and then we'll have a, then I'll go out into the foyer. Uh, that's the entry, fancy word for the entryway, how you yeah. come into the church. So we have like a, uh, like a large uh, space where people come in and we just want to say hi, say we're so glad that you're here, uh, pick up conversation with people. Um, as a pastor, uh, one of the most important things we can do is just be in the lives of people. Yeah. Uh, we really don't want to uh, be what is kind of, I, I think, sometimes assumed about preachers is all they care is about what they tell you to do, <laughs> mm, yeah. uh, how they can stand in front of you and say you need to live this way or that way. Yeah. But really what we want to do is be in your life. And so just even as people come in uh, for service, 
it's like our big goal is just to talk to them. And then usually as people come in and, and we try to talk to them, we can hear about things that are happening yeah. in their life. So we can hear about if they're sick or if there's a problem going on. So try to be there just so I can be present and, and be welcoming. And then we'll go through the service and sometimes I preach. Uh, sometimes I'm there uh, just leading in the prayer time and reading the scripture uh, lesson for the service and things like that. I also lead in the music. I also run around and if there's problems with our projector and the words, <laughs> yeah. I'm like trying to help fix those things. So there's a lot of running around. And then we have about an hour between services. So we start with an 8.30 that ends around 9, 9.30, 9.45. And then sometimes I'm teaching a, a lesson um, from about 9.45 to 10.45. Or I'm doing practice with our band that plays yeah. at the 11 o'clock service. And that's an hour. And then we go right into another service and another <laughs> round. Yeah. Uh, and then service ends. And uh, um, again, want to get out there to just talk to people. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite moments, I hope I'm not talking too long. And no, 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 no. My favorite moments in ministry are um, when someone shares something uh, that's personal, not because I'm nebby and want to know people's details, but um, I just really know that uh, when people open up, it's an act of faith on their part, that they just, mm -hmm. this is really burdening me, it's really personal, and we just don't live in a culture where, you know, people are going to give you their junk, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> at, at, right when they're starting to head home. A lot of times we'll just be nice to each other, kind of have that mask on that says everything's okay and move on, but when yeah. someone is willing to take that mask off and say, I'm really dealing with this. Yeah. More often than not, that's the moment for me that means the most because uh, what it allows me to do is say, let's um, either talk more about this or better yet, let's talk to God about this, which is let's just pray. Yeah. Uh, and getting to pray over people and into the lives of people, which what I mean by that is just um, uh, inviting God to do something in, in people's lives. So maybe it's helping them to understand something that's really difficult that I don't have the answers for. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's asking God to do something that seems so impossible that there's no way I could make it happen with the connections or resources that I have. God, you can do the impossible and can you do it into this person's life because yeah. what they tell me is just uh, bigger than anything I could handle. Mm -hmm. So um, those moments I'm thankful for. Yeah. So anyway, I go home. After that, I eat, um, and then a lot of times I'm getting ready because about 5 o'clock in the evening, and this is probably finishing about 2, 2.30, um, uh, people are going to start coming back to the church for youth group, and we'll do music with our youth, so we have to practice um, uh, the youth band and get ready for that. Yeah. And normally what I'll do <laughs> is I'll go to the get-go and get like a some kind of diet coke or something that's just going to give me some energy <laughs> so i can be as silly because there's like a, a serious me <laughs> that i want to live in as like a, a just a regular pastor but then there's a part of me that just wants to be fun or silly or have some energy yeah um for our young people too so we'll do band practice and then kids start showing up at like six and we'll have two hours of youth group and then people some of our adults will t at times kind of that are helping with youth group We'll hang back, and then usually by 8.30, I'm going home. And then 
maybe for an hour, my wife Rachel and I will watch a show. So we are suckers for uh, like PBS shows. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So she likes Downton Abbey and oh, some of those yeah. other, and like those kind. Of, so we're hoity-toities up in the uh, <laughs> up in the parsonage. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll watch that for an hour. And then usually I'll be on my phone and it's that, I don't know if you ever get that where it's like you're so tired mm -hmm. and like you're brain dead, you're just like sliding up like yeah. on like Instagram or, yeah. or something like that yeah. and not even really thinking about it. And then my wife will yell at me to go to bed and so <laughs> we'll, I'll try to crawl up yeah. to our bedroom. And then that's the end of the day. And then I hit Monday and it feels like like I had a weekend bender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so that's it. So is it always daunting that first day? when you're like do you, how how far in advance do you plan um because every week you at least have to do um a youth group lesson if not you're preaching as well yeah as an associate pastor so do you do you start fresh every week and like okay god what a, what a, what do you want me to talk about this week or are you kind of like well i think it'd be good i should kind of go in this direction um a couple weeks yeah ahead. that's a good question so for Sunday morning, uh, since I am the ass assistant pastor, mm -hmm. uh, I, my job is more is to support uh, the guy who is in charge. So a lot of times when I'm preaching, I'm either filling in a plan he has ha has prepared in terms of what he'd like to teach on, and he's just asking me to come in kind of as an assist mm -hmm. to uh, <laughs> give you a strong assist, brother. <laughs> you know, and and uh, um, and finish that off. Um, so a lot of times for Sunday mornings, if I'm preaching, I'm, I'm uh, preparing it. Monday, I'm starting to think about it. By Tuesday, I have um, all the songs that we're going to sing picked out and a title for the sermon and uh, things like that. And then by Wednesday or Thursday, uh, I, I better have started writing it. Um, <laughs> but there, I mean, it's just Ministry has a lot of interruptions. People call you, and then you mm -hmm. need to go to the hospital, you yeah. know, uh, uh, or you're required to go somewhere else. So, uh, so sometimes, very rarely now. Uh, earlier on, I think it happened a little bit more. But Friday or Saturday, I'd be finishing it up. Or um, a couple weeks ago, I preached, and just because of how things were going and where my time went, uh, Saturday, most of Saturday, I was home writing my sermon. Yeah. Um, which is not always fair to my family. I want to make sure I give them time, but yeah. it's just sometimes it happens. So, yeah. so, but for youth group, I do it differently because I'm totally in charge. Mm -hmm. So normally what I do is I take a, about a week in the summer and really think about what I want to say, what, yeah. what I think would be relevant to young people. Yeah. Um, because I realize that church, especially traditional church, can feel clunky or even irrelevant to people who are really young. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I really want to try to think of um, ideas or topics that, again, just try to speak real, like modern yeah. talk. <laughs> uh, that just that are just honest, and but also listen for what questions they have. So I try to yeah. think that out, and then I'll plan like three months at a time and just lay yeah. those topics in. And it doesn't mean I have all everything I want to say written. It just it's kind of my roadmap, and then yeah. I share that with the parents so that they know. I share that with our le adult leaders who help, mm -hmm. so that they know. I don't think anybody looks at it though. So, <laughs> but if I was ever asked, they they it was in front of them at some <laughs> point. But so that's how I prepare. Wow, good.
By the way, when if I'm typing on my phone, it's because I thought of something else and I don't want to forget mm-hmm. it. I'm not. I'm fully listening. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, you're doing a really good job, by the way, of explaining things that like not everyone knows, like the parsonage, for example. Mm-hmm. You brought that up and explain what that was, because that that's like really hard for people to follow along when you say something that not mm-hmm. you, but like someone says something that's like a shortcut mm-hmm. that like most people know but not everybody mm-hmm. anyway you're doing a good job <laughs> um so uh we're kind of talking about writing a little bit so um like what it what's your writing process do you have like a thing you kind of do every time um like when you want to start writing the thing you picked out months before or sure so every teacher or professor is going to hate this advice right <laughs> I, when I first started writing sermons, I studied too much. Okay. Uh, but in reality, it's, uh, it's more, um, because, uh, a sermon is different than a school paper in right. terms of writing. Uh, a sermon really is, uh, much closer to a piece of entertainment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you've tried to put too much or say too much in uh, a piece of creative writing, mm-hmm. it's going to go over people's heads. It's right. like too much content, you know? Um, and really, the gifted people are people who can take really complicated things and make them simple, mm-hmm. which is why I think, like, really popular ways that people pay attention to issues or news uh, is going to things like The Daily Show yeah. or um, Last Week Tonight. Yeah, with, John like, Oliver. Yeah, with John Oliver. I think John... Well, I don't know if he does it, but his writers are really good at yeah, he's really take, good. taking really complicated things and they kind of borrow from other sources, but they piecemeal it together in a way right. that it's like, here's a complicated issue that people can understand. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with, uh, I'm a big fan. I don't know if many people are of like explainer vids on YouTube. I don't, I'm not uh, So it's like someone who would... Uh, uh, maybe take a topic and create a video like explaining how it is. So, so some I like are um, uh, Every Frame of Painting talks about the art of uh, movie making and oh, like, yeah. camera work. Uh-huh. And so that's not something I would have been able to pick up my own, but someone like explains it so it's an explainer video yeah. of how they do this process. And I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another guy, uh, Nerd Writer, mm-hmm. uh, and he gets a lot of views. He gets like a million views a video. Wow. Um, but he he'll, he'll talk about art in the process and normally when I mean when I, when I was in college and I studied art it just seems so dense and at times difficult to understand yeah but it, but there's this gift to take something really complicated with a long history absolutely uh, with a lot of different ideas at play and just be able to explain it in a way that okay this is why people appreciate it or mm-hmm. this is why I need to pay attention to it yeah so anyway going back to sermons the problem <laughs> with sermons is there's so much material i mean right. uh the, the bible's a 2000 year old book it's been studied uh really i mean well it's older than 2000 years the bible but it's been studied in in christianity since the beginning so you could go to millions and millions of pages on what the bible's saying and what you should say about it right and then if you listen to all that I think there's that feeling that I've got to put all that in this mm-hmm. for people to understand what I understand. Yeah. But that's not really what you're meant to do as a preacher. Because uh, the Bible says a lot. And the Bible is complicated. And there are many things that the Bible is trying to communicate. Um, but all we have in a sermon is uh, 
20 minutes in the United States in Costa Rica. We just li- listened to an hour long sermon <laughs> a couple <laughs> yeah. of days ago, but all you got is a moment to encourage people, uh, whether that's to comfort people who feel really broken or to afflict people who maybe feel too comfortable in the way they li- are living. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't require every bit of knowledge and research you've done. What right. that requires is a sense of this is what it's saying, and I really want to invite you to understand this. And mm-hmm. so, um, so when I was first writing sermons, I was putting too much of the content in mm. and putting less of the heart of just saying this is what it means. And as I know that, um, uh, I really want to invite you to to follow or listen or respond to it just like I'm trying to follow or listen to respond to mm-hmm. it. Um, but if you throw much too much stuff at people, they lose track. Um, they, they stop paying attention just because it's difficult. Uh, yeah. Uh, the statistic I, I saw is that uh, people have shorter attention spans than goldfish. Really? Every five seconds, our attention is diverted. It's really hard for us to want to stay focused. Yeah. There's other thoughts come in. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how you know the attention span of a goldfish. Right. <laughs> I don't know how you do that kind of scientific study. But uh, it's easier with people. But, but you can look at data over 60 years. Mm-hmm. And people every about 10 or 15 years have shorter attention spans. Because we just live in a culture. We have technology that doesn't require a really long bit of attention. If you miss something, you can watch it again. Mm-hmm. You know, you can read your text again. Yeah. You know, it's just... Because uh, the next thing's going to come really quick, right? Mm-hmm. The next text is going to come before yeah. you know it. The next video, the next thing to watch or listen to, the newest song. <laughs> it's like there's just so much that's coming at us yeah. that we've just kind of developed, we've evolved to have this ability to hear and then dump it, <laughs> you yeah. know, hear and dump it. Yeah. So if you're putting too much in for people to listen to, it's just going to get thrown out. Right. And you could be mad about that, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, I just want to, I know where people are at. And right. so I think my responsibility is to be where people are at, even in their attention spans. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so <laughs> I, I've learned the, the lesson of not preparing too much. Okay. Uh, so when I write a sermon, I do, usually the first day I'm reading the text that I'm going to preach on. So the couple of verses in the Bible, mm-hmm. that's what I mean by the text. And I might re- read what some uh, really wise uh, writers have to say about that passage. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that'll give me, help me shape some ideas. Yeah. It also helps kind of, if you ever think of bowling, mm-hmm. and it has those bumpers oh, yeah. on the, uh, the gutters, yeah. so you kind of keep the ball in the lane. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are preachers who take the ball almost and throw it like three lanes over because they are saying something that that passage really isn't. Right. And it's because they want to use it rather than just listen to it. Right. Yeah, uh, good... And use it for their own purposes. Mm-hmm. So it's a good distinction. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do when I'm reading other people is make it. Am I staying in the lane? Am I am I hitting the the bumper guards? Yeah. I'm not <laughs> the forcing down. anything. Right. Yeah. I'm not yeah. forcing anything. I'm not going in a direction that this. Bible passage really isn't saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that helps me. And then by then I've, I've kind of had it, uh, kind of have an idea. And then the, the final part for me, um, besides kind of getting it to have some shape, figure out the way I want to say it, yeah. is just putting stories into it because um, stories are what help us respond. I mean, you know, um, so if there's stories from my life that I think kind of help you understand mm-hmm. or help you to figure out how to apply it in your life yeah. uh, to use it um, for your day-to-day living and that's I think that's the more important part 
um, not getting all these really great quotes from <laughs> brainy people. Yeah. But to just say, think about it this way and then live it that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was very good. You kind of answered the, uh, like what something you improved on most since you've started, which is like, you think you've got better at condensing and keeping the heart in it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, let's move down to, I'm trying to, cause we've kind of been jumping all over the place and which is great. Um, I will, I will say, yeah. uh, since you talked about improvement, it's funny, I always get the same comment because uh, the church I'm at has had me there for six years. Right. So for six years, people have heard me preach. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I first started preaching there, I um, didn't have a lot of experience doing that. I was a teacher before that. So it's not like oh, I, I always forget that. <laughs> it's not like I wasn't in front of people and knew how to give a lesson or to, uh, to teach. Yeah. Uh, it's not like I had stage fright or something like that, but it's just that um, I never really given a sermon. Uh, but I always thought I was pretty good. Uh, like I wasn't like bombing every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just so funny. Even now, people are will say that was so much better than it was before. <laughs> oh, no. I, think, I think, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. You know. So was it that terrible at the beginning? Right. So because then it makes you start to question: Do I have no sense of? my abilities yeah. myself you know yeah that's a terrible sometimes those, sometimes those are, are, are hard because then it, it feels like well I can't pinpoint myself yeah so I I know I'm better but was my my earlier days that worse yeah. <laughs> much worse you know that's yeah. always the question that you never know that's that's something that um like comedians talk about a lot like that you have to there has to be like a certain amount of delusion when you're first starting out because mm -hmm. like you're not really that good, but like you have to think that you are to keep going to make yourself better. Hmm. And it's yeah. not like the same thing, obviously, because um, mm -hmm. you had previous experience yeah. to be. I think I think comedian talking about other kind of non-religious uh, types of work that are, are similar to what I think being a pastor is. Yeah, I think comedians are really similar because uh, I think comedians, whenever I hear them interviewed, always talk about having this sense of not just making people laugh, which is what they're good at, but like telling the truth. Yes. And so it's exactly either telling the say. truth about kind of silly experiences, yeah. like the uncomfortable mm -hmm. that we never can like find words to say. Yeah. Uh, or some kind of do like more meta stuff about politics or what's wrong with the world. Mm -hmm. and, and there's kind of different styles of comedy, but yeah. Um, I think, I think being a preacher, what we're hoping to do is to give you truth, right? Right. Uh, obviously we're not doing it. Well, some p preachers do, but <laughs> with jokes all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we really want to speak the truth. But the other thing is, uh, good preachers find their rhythms, which is they find the way to talk. Yeah. And, uh, because when you find your rhythm, people are able to jump into it and mm -hmm. respond with it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I grew up in a church with Italians Okay. Uh, a lot of them were, you know, first or second generation Italians. Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> and uh, I grew up with this preacher that he had like this cadence that he would preach with that would like rise and fall. Mm -hmm. And he always ended like every three words with, ah. So, <laughs> Let me tell you, ah, what God wants to tell you. Ah. <laughs> and it would just go on. And that was just kind of his cadence. Yeah. But every really good comedian has that kind of cadence that they use but yeah what it lets you do as an audience is kind of 
get into it, get into that personality yeah, uh, and respond to it because then that cadence can say something about life that just makes it funny. You yeah. Know? Uh, so uh, I know he's kind of uh, um, uh, no longer as popular as he was, but uh, uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, the comedian, he was on SNL, bald head, red hair, and a goatee. And Louis C.K.? Louis C.K., okay, yeah, thanks. Yeah. So Louis C.K., I remember giving this monologue on SNL about uh, um, uh, um, child molestation. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know You remember one. that? Mm-hmm. And like, but the way he delivered it, his cadence yeah. made it hilarious. Yeah. Now, if I took the same words <laughs> and try to deliver that, even into the same audience, I think it would bomb. But just something about the way he can say it, yeah. his friendliness, yeah. at least what we thought was friendliness, yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, it was just funny. Yeah. Uh, and he was saying, in some ways, again, something true about, uh, he was kind of hitting a nail on, like, why do people do things they know are bad for them and mm-hmm. bad for others? Yeah. And it must be because they really like it. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's what really I remember. Was, for that. Uh, so anyway, so I think <laughs> preaching and comedy is similar because you have that cadence and you yeah. work on it. And uh, the best comedians spent their hours and their years kind of in the pits of the comedy clubs mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's my cadence that makes people laugh. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can write the best jokes in the world, but if yeah. you're terrible at delivering them, uh, it, they're never going to sell. But yeah. and I think, you know, being around a lot of preachers, there's some who are just so bright and so intuitive to... Um, what people need and even kind of understanding what the Bible says, but yeah. you can have, you can write the most intelligent things, but if you can't deliver them, mm-hmm. uh, at least in church, people will be polite yeah. <laughs> and won't boo you off the stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but it's going to be hard for them to get all that you've really given to them. So uh-huh. I think there's just some similarities between comedians and preachers. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading, reading an audio book, uh, Pete Holmes, new book. He, in the beginning, he says he wanted to be a youth pastor when he was growing up, mm-hmm. and then he turned out to be a comedian, and his mother said, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Some of the best youth pastors are really funny. That's yeah. like their gift, and that's why they have a lot of success, is that it just connects with kids really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when you're going through the most awkward period of your life, which is puberty. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. You need someone that can help you laugh through it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Especially me. Yeah. I'm very yeah. Anyway, not about me. Where were you going there? <laughs> just like I feel like I, I won't hear something as well unless like there's at least one joke in there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah. Uh, kind of speaking of kids, um, you we both were counselors at Pine Valley. Yes, Pine Valley. But do, does your audience know about Pine? Yeah, Valley, I think yeah yeah okay. they should. If they okay. listen to any other ones, they probably do. Yeah. Okay. So um, when when was that? in your life how old were you when you first started going there good uh so i'll tell you the longer story so when i was in high school um i had friends who worked at this place called pine valley bible camp and they loved it and i had been to pine valley camp because uh i was a kid who grew up in church and went to youth group and we would have retreats which is we'd use uh, like a camp facility Mm -hmm. uh like in the fall or the winter to go from like a Friday to a Sunday to a place to you know play games to fellowship, but also to have times where we worship together. We sang songs and we we listened to just messages. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the places we went to was Pine Valley, and that was always our least favorite because Pine Valley was like this dirty, <laughs> run-down camp. But then when I was in high school, I had friends who were working there, and they were saying it was the best place they'd ever been. Uh-huh. And uh, my last two years of high school were at a Christian school in Beaver Falls. And my junior year, I remember uh, they would have people come in and because Christian schools, you have uh, chapel services. We had them like twice a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought in this kind of pot-bellied, wobbly-legged <laughs> guy who was really loud, and but like had just this energy that was uh, really magnetic, like mm-hmm. really drew you in. Yeah. And he talked about this camp he ran, and uh, he was looking for people to come. And something about that just uh, stirred in my heart that I, I thought I really want to do this, so I went and talked about it with him, and he was saying that for high schoolers, they have them come on for maintenance. And mm-hmm. anyway, long story short, I ended up not going there. Um, and and no, f- I'm not. Uh, this isn't my mommy and daddy issues, but then my parents <laughs> just said no. We don't want you to do that. Oh really? Yeah, they mm-hmm. wanted me to get a job where uh, uh, I was putting away money for college because right. I was getting closer to it. And uh, uh, Pine Valley doesn't pay next to anything yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they pay you in uh, leftover food yeah. not necessarily in cash mm-hmm. so um so they were looking at you're gonna work you know a whole week and get 50 bucks at the end mm-hmm. that sounds like you're getting robbed so yeah. um i think they were kind of suspicious and thought i had could do better things with my time <laughs> and that's okay yeah uh, um so anyway i'd always done it and one of my closest friends uh his name's Ben. Ben had worked at Pine Valley for a couple years, and then he and I were in college together, and he still worked at Pine Valley. And it was something that when they talked about it, I kind of thought, man, I'd really love to go back. So it wasn't actually till after I graduated college oh. that summer after that I went down to work as a counselor. So a counselor just um, lives in the cabins with the kids and helps them through the program. Mm-hmm. And these are kids that, again, there's a lot of Pine Valley people or people who are familiar with it. It's um, kids who come from inner city or urban neighborhoods. Uh, the official term is at risk, mm-hmm. which just means that more than likely their neighborhood puts them at risk for things like poverty uh, or crime uh, or things like that. Things that are just kind of um, typical uh, problems for a lot of our urban neighborhoods. Um, so anyway, so I worked as a counselor, but then I ended up working three years, and this is because I was a teacher, and I'd have summers off, uh, and I'd go back. And Pine Valley is a really special experience for me. I have a lot of really deep memories from it, and uh, uh, as you know, it stretches you. You know, mm-hmm. you, uh, and part of it, uh, looking back, I don't, I don't think I really knew how to put the words to it, but part yeah. of it is. Be- um, because it's you know I you know I as a white person really wanted to humbly connect in the lives of uh, black people mm-hmm. people of color yeah and uh, I think there's a lot of fear on my part about how that would be received and yeah. I, I and uh, I don't think it what it, it made me I don't think I had to have a couple years to to look back yeah uh, what I was living out are the tensions that are I think really a deep part of American culture that we don't want to always talk about which is uh, tensions of race. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we've really gotten over, even though it feels like it's a long time ago, uh, yeah. the sins of slavery yeah. and that brokenness that is there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you think about it, it took 80, 
or, or actually more like a hundred years after slavery to finally establish some kind of equal protection mm. for people of color. But anyway, I don't want to get too big. <laughs> I want to go back <laughs> to okay. Pine Valley. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think that I was living that and I think there was some, 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 uh, humbling experiences for me there, but man, I just love those kids. Yeah. Uh, there's just something really special about them. And especially because they tell the truth, like, they, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. like they, uh, you know, black culture, I just love it because it, it is just, I'm going to tell you what's up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think in white culture, we kind of dance around some niceness sometimes. Yeah. And it's nice to just have that kind of, I'm going to tell you the truth and, mm -hmm. uh, with some force. To, you know? <laughs> so. I, I can't remember the question. I hope that kind of got close. To no, it. yeah, that was good. I just wanted you to kind of like recount your mm -hmm. your Pine Valley experience because we had that shared experience and people know about Pine Valley, so I think they'd like to hear that about you. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember uh, when you chose to be a pastor? Sure. So normally the way we talk about it is calling. Mm -hmm. That's a really important word, and yeah. so I'll try to explain that. Uh, because um, most people choose a career. It's like, I've got to, right. what subjects in school do I like or do I hate all of them? So I got to, <laughs> maybe I got to do something that's not like uh, school related. But uh, yeah. um, in ministry, and as you get ready for it, a lot of times what they talk about is uh, calling, which is a sense that God's given me a specific job that God is calling, He's telling me to do. And, and, People have different experiences of what that's like. Yeah. Um, some are really supernatural, which means it's this uh, voice uh, that is not coming from a person. Maybe it's uh, an interior voice, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or maybe it's an audible voice. I've heard stories about that. Um, so sometimes the experiences are really crazy and out there. Uh, sometimes they're more circumstances that kind of build up over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me, uh, my story of calling is that uh, um, I was at a, I mean, this is how I grew up, I was at a youth conference, mm -hmm. so, and uh, during that conference, is, um, uh, we were in a time of service, so during the time of worship, and I was 13 years old, uh, I just really felt within me, uh, this gut thing, mm -hmm. uh, that God was churning something up and what that was was kind of this feeling that what's going on around you, this kind of ministry, this praying and teaching and, and loving kind of thing is what's meant for you. Uh, and then I kind of held that in mm -hmm. and didn't tell anybody about it for a couple years. Because you were nervous of what that meant? or I think because I was nervous of what that meant. I think I kind of doubted mm. what that was really happening because I think I, I I just think it's for a lot of us we're it feels really unnatural uh, or uncomfortable this th thought that there's something beyond us mm -hmm. that also is trying to reach into us right. so it sounds like aliens <laughs> a probe right, you know, yeah. reach into me yeah. Yeah. no <laughs> no what, what I mean is that uh, so that there would be some all loving, all-powerful, all-knowing, supernatural being that would really care about me as an insignificant single person. Yeah. And how do you know when they're speaking to you, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, 
And how do you know that these feelings I'm having that just seem to be coming out of nowhere, this sense of direction or purpose that uh, just, again, seems to be coming from, from no place that I'm creating. Yeah. Uh, how do I know that that's God? Right. The all-powerful, all-knowing, yeah. all-loving, almighty. Because um, I'm sure there's other times yeah. that you're like, well, maybe it's just me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm just thinking this. Yeah, or, you know. And maybe it's accounting. Maybe yeah, it's accounting yeah, habits, yeah, yeah. I know. <clears throat> so I held off on that, and uh, a couple years later, uh, after kind of having some experiencing some really big changes in my life, so I think I was a very typical 13 year old yeah. at the time. But because I was having that feeling, there was a like a response that was happening in me, and the response was uh, really kind of like an out outworking. I, I don't know if that's a common word for 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 maybe what your listeners would know, but like just a sense that like something deep within me is then like coming out of me, okay. like it's like a uh, like a fruit that grows is growing out. If All you right. could think of that, yeah. so kind of like how a tree uh, that sap that goes within it yeah. goes to the leaves and the fruit to right. kind of give it life. Uh-huh. It's like that thing that started at 13 in my heart was starting to change some of the things that I did. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, really what it was is like, man, I had a desire for, for God and religion that I didn't really have before. And then that would come out also like in what I did in my own time. So it's one thing to get drugged to church by your parents, <laughs> you know, but it's another I thing. I said drugged for a second. Drugged, drugged <laughs> and then taken to church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dramamine Sundays. That's what I call it. <laughs> Sorry. Just had that spacey look in yeah. church all the time. Whoa. Yeah. No, when you get like uh, drugged by your parents, like pulled. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to church mm. uh, that's one thing but it's like for a 14 or 15 year old to like um, want to go into the Bible and read it I, re- I mean I, at 14 I read through the entire Bible wow in a year. that's um, insane and I'm writing a lot of things that are in a journal about what I think God's sharing and speaking to me yeah. so things were things were happening to me that uh, I just don't think most 14 or 14 no, years were, yeah. were doing and that's not to say I'm special I just think that was just an experience and I was just responding to it I think yeah. I think sometimes people have those experiences and they just shut them off mm-hmm. uh, but I, I just for some reason by you know God's grace his kindness to me I just really wanted to keep going further yeah so anyway at 16 at another conference man this is my <laughs> life uh, as a youth uh, I talked to my pastor who was there, someone I really loved and respected, and just told him uh, that I thought God was wanting me to go into ministry. Mm-hmm. And kind of just as any like cheesy youth pastor, he goes, that's great, buddy. I'm so happy. He like, puts his hand on my shoulder, yeah. and he goes, that's wonderful. Yeah. And so it, it felt kind of like uh, anticlimactic. Yeah. It's like you held something in for three years, yeah. and you finally tell someone, right. and it's like, cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> This was my life, yeah. you know. If this is a movie, you'd walk out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh wow. But uh, what was funny is that that same day, uh, in the evening, and this is in a conference of like a thousand kids, so this is not like a a small thing. Um, there's a speaker on stage, and he's preaching. And again, maybe maybe your experience, your listeners' experience of church is not like this, but he had this moment where he just in the middle of a ser- uh, his 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 sermon he just stops and he just goes man he goes i really think 
that God's speaking to me right now. And he goes, I think that there's someone in here who's been called to ministry and needs mm. to come up. Yeah. So three years of holding this inside, not telling anybody because I don't know how to deal with it, yeah. but something's going on. The day I, I let it out, I didn't get the response I wanted right. or, or felt I needed from you know, the person I really respected, but man, God uh, wanted to confirm that through somebody else. I really believe. So, uh, so I just go up and man, I'm crying because uh, I just think God's trying to speak to me through other people. Mm-hmm. That yeah, you're doing. You're you've heard me right. Yeah, and don't doubt. Right. Know? And it wasn't that, that I was the only uh, out of a thousand kids. I was the only one that maybe had that feeling because I yeah. think there were a couple others that went up with me. Okay. Uh, but man, it just so something about that changed me. And then yeah. you know, what was interesting is then after that again, I think as you respond to that call of God. God starts to do other things. So then there'd be people who would randomly uh, come up to me and uh, say, you know, there's just something, Luke, there's something I think God's doing in your life. I think he's really got something for you that he's been sharing. Mm-hmm. Not, not, uh, it wasn't me like trying to solicit it or get it out of it, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. tell me what you think God's telling yeah, tell me, you know, yeah. it was just, they felt it on their own heart to come and tell me. Kind of interesting. So today uh, I w- we were working with some Costa Ricans. Yeah. And there's a guy here who knows me from 10 years ago. So when I was about 22 mm. and he goes, do you remember, this is in Spanish. He goes, do you remember what I said to you years ago? And I said, yeah, I, I, I do remember this conversation. And he goes, do you remember? He goes, I told you, you have the heart of a pastor. Mm. And he goes, I saw it in you. Yeah. Uh, even though I, we don't really speak the same language mm-hmm. He goes, I just, just see something in you. And I wanted to tell you. And so I tried to do it the best I could. And, uh, so anyway, God's just been good to to do that in my life. I believe yeah. um, uh, there was a woman at the church that I grew up in. And I just think she's a saint, but she <laughs> saw something in me, and she pulled me into so many things in church. She gave me so many experiences, and and she uh, she's one of those like uh, pillar women in the church. She pulled the pastors alongside me and said, "This this man has something you need to see in wow. his life," and so. Uh, those are those are places where it's like I didn't carve this out my own. I didn't make my own way. Yeah. Uh, it was calling. God wanted to do something, and He made the way for me. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. What's up? Hola. Oh, Hola. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> It'll be out in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh. <laughs> um. I hope I'm not being too wordy for your. No, audience. absolutely not. This okay. is awesome. You're doing so well. <laughs> um, no shucks. <laughs> uh, was that? Did you f- feel finished with that answer? I think so. It, yeah, it seems like God was like. I can't think of like a great metaphor, but like kept like turning the lights green for you, mm-hmm. um, and like kind of showing you the right street signs, and like mm-hmm. oh, like not like huge. Some of them were like kind of big, but like not um, huge street signs, but like mm-hmm. winks, like you, you're going the right way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see where, because I, I have so many things that I want to like go with with that. Um, let's do uh, like uh, Musk. 
Jake Muskie, uh, who's mm-hmm. been on the podcast, Brother Musk, Brother Musk, uh, ha- asked like wrote this question. Okay, um, is it tough being someone a lot of people look up to? Because like a lot of us here, obviously, you, you're probably the most fluent of out of all of us here. I know you're like, I'm not that fluent, but um, you're you're the best out of our group. Um, so there's like a lot on your shoulders um, with just that. But so yeah, is it is it do you kind of think of yourself as a person people look up to? I guess you have to, but I don't want to answer it for you. Keep going. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I, you were kind of referencing me translating here. Is that? Mm-hmm. Do you think that yeah, that, I mean, that's one of many things. Okay. Yeah. So on this mission trip to Costa Rica, I yeah. was translating in Spanish, which, man, I really don't know that much Spanish. And yeah. uh, uh, so it's, it, I, I feel like I'm uh, trying to, kind of crank the wheel through jello if that makes sense it's like i'm just trying to make things work and it's yeah. it's going slow sometimes but mm-hmm. um i i'm assuming the question is also more just in general as um being in the position as a pastor yeah um i to, honestly i don't feel so confident that i'm this uh someone who looks up to that i'm somehow that my great thing is i get to be this role model mm-hmm uh, sometimes I question that because uh, I, I really don't know. Wow. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I really want to pour myself into people's lives, yeah. uh, and so I really try to make the effort to do that. Um, and maybe it's just I didn't, maybe that's what being a role model is, is being willing to take the time uh, to give of yourself to other people. Mm-hmm. If that's what it is, then I, I'm trying to be someone who people can look up to. Um, but I am very aware that my title as a pastor, my role is, uh, a job I have that people look at, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, for people who, um, uh, church is the center of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, the pastor is someone they look at to lead them. Uh, and to help them understand what the Bible's saying and maybe what God wants to do. Yeah. So people are looking at me for direction. Yeah. But I also realize that, like, you know, when I go to the barber and they say, you know, what do you do? <laughs> I say, well, I'm a pastor up at the church, that, you know, uh, up the road. Yeah. It's, I don't know that person. And so maybe what they're doing is looking at me. Uh, with the baggage of mm-hmm. a pastor who said some really hard things that were unfair mm. or the baggage of Christianity that was not loving or rammed down their throat or that made them feel rejected or yeah. was tried and felt wanting. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. So I would love to be... Um, I don't know. I don't know if I feel comfortable in my skin to be someone that's just looked up to. I really want to just be someone that's uh, the way the Bible says it is follow me as I follow Jesus. So mm-hmm. I'm on this path and You're I'm right. just really inviting you to yeah. jump in the path with yeah. me. So if you maybe in terms of experience and years are a few years behind me, right. that's fine. You're going the same way I'm going, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. It's not this, I have it figured out. 
and the things I figured out you have to imitate. Right. It's that I'm trying to experience this and for you to experience it too, I think would really affect your life in a good way. Yeah. So, um, so I think I'd be uncomfortable with the, the words that I'm someone to look up to. Yeah. Even though I do want to be a good role model. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that I'm someone that's looked at because of my, my role right. in uh, the church and because of what the church means in our culture and our society. Right. So. That's funny because like a follow-up question to that was, um, do you ever long to just be a follower and not have to be the leader? Because um, you consider yourself a follower of Jesus. So you're like, you're kind of like a, you kind of look at yourself as a cog that helps the machine. Sure. Right. Yeah, so uh, so one thing I've learned about being a pastor is that um, the things I do, really anybody could do. There's not like uh, any Christian, I would say. Okay. Like anybody, any Christian, I would want uh, and should be able to pray with another person. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Any Christian should, or and I think can be, to talk, be able to talk about the Bible and what they think the Bible's saying mm-hmm. and to do it humbly, you know? Right. Um, those are like the main jobs of a pastor. Um, and, uh, those aren't, they're not work skills. They're just things that Christians could be able to do. There's people who are really gifted at it who don't have a title of pastor or reverend in front of their name. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. And I hope these questions aren't, or answers aren't too long, but, um, ministry then isn't, like I have some, like, like Liam Neeson says, a, spe- a specific set of skills. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like uh, my skill are uh, like so. Ministry is really taking those things that any Christian can do, but just being the one who does it out in front okay. is, is kind of leading in it. Yeah. Does that make sense? And then mm-hmm. it's encouraging everyone to say, "Do it too," you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna preach or pray, but yeah, I shouldn't be the only one doing it. You know, I'm gonna help you understand how to do it, right. but you got to do it too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's inviting you to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so part of my job is really what I think is really at the, the center of it is that I'm called to lead. Right. Um, but do I like to follow? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's kind of nice is like a, as a leader, um, your job's always to make decisions. And so every day you are, making decisions and a lot of times those decisions are going to have mixed feelings because of the people who are following you. Yeah. Now everyone's going to like the decision you make. And, Mm -hmm. uh, if you live your life trying to figure out what the decision you can make will make everybody happy, you'll never be able to make a single decision (laughs) because, uh, the decisions you make, one person's going to get pissed off (laughs) and like, and be mad. And so, uh, you can't live life trying to to lead people and also not make them upset or uh make the one perfect decision absolutely um so leaders need wisdom and uh patience because wisdom to make the right decision and patience when people don't uh see it the same way as you Mm -hmm. and also humility because you're gonna think you made the wise decision and really your your butt was thinking more than your head (laughs) so (laughs) yeah um but, uh, yeah, so following is nice because it's like I, like, especially in ministry, like there's things I like to do. Like I, tonight I got to play some music with some, with some, some people mm-hmm. and that's always fun. 
<laughs> and it's kind of fun when you're just kind of sitting back and you just get to kind of go along for the ride yeah. opposed to like having the kind of the mental burden of saying I gotta be I gotta guide people through mm-hmm. it. it's kind yeah. of just fun to coast coast along yeah know? yeah yeah I agree um I I don't think anyone I, f- I feel like if my mom were listening to this she'd like be like oh not any- anyone could just do this stuff so I'm gonna speak on behalf of her and like I think I mean maybe if some people wanted to really bad they could be do stuff like you, but um, like even even like you playing in the band and stuff like that's that's a talent that not sure. everyone has, and it's not required to be a a youth pastor and a, a pastor. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just another cool thing that you can do, and like makes you more well rounded. Mm-hmm. And you play play the trumpet. And I didn't know that, I don't think, until, like, recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is cool. Is that a recent thing, or you've been doing that for a while? Trumpet was the first instrument I learned, so oh. I started playing it, like, nine. Oh, wow. And... <laughs> is this Cooper again? Oh, nice. Oh, see. Cookies for the boys. Gracias. Thank you. Are there two there? Yes. Cool. Oh, sweet. Sweet Lord. I can't see it very well. You're gonna get some Go nice back to the ASMR. Yeah. yeah. We're eating some cookies right now. No bags. They're no bags. This is the sound of me chewing on the cookie. Oh, they're, they're single you piece. You can have it. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> wow. They're a little soft. Mm, oh, they're soft. very good. They oh, are? Mm-hmm. Good. Mm. Um, while you're enjoying that, I'll also say. That I look up to you, obviously. I feel like it's obvious, but, um, but uh, I I really look up to how you're can be so silly sometimes. Um, like you were saying, like your your serious self as a pastor, but you could also be super silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, in general, respect people so much when they have so much responsibility on them, but they still. Um, could have us not only smile but make others smile and I think you have a real gift um, in that um, I don't you don't have to say anything to that because I know that makes you feel slightly uncomfortable just to see you <laughs> smile that's what I have to say perfect that, that's what I was saying before oh like I it's hard for me to hear something if I don't like know if people take themselves too seriously it's hard for me to like I, I guess relate to them or something. Mm-hmm. So like, at least if I know you're funny or can be funny, um, or don't take life like mm-hmm. too too seriously, uh, I could relate to you and understand your mm-hmm. points or whatever. Um, oh wow, that is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, wow. Um, uh, you asked about Trump, so. Trumpet was the first instrument I learned right, to play. Right. Nine with Miss Budway in the music class. That's who who taught. And I remember, so just I don't know what this means to me, but I uh, psychologically, but I still have this memory of. Um, she was probably like in her late twenties, mm-hmm. and she's a fairly cute woman, but she's like teaching us how to breathe, and she's like Luke. Put your hand on my stomach and feel like this. Like, not like in a creepy way, no, but she's no, like, no. you're trying to teach me how to like you uh, 
breathe in air. They teach you the same thing in singing, like how to control your breath and things yeah. like that. But I think like nine year old me was like, like, uh, like first like guy to girl experience was yeah. with Miss Budway, the music teacher. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> wow so crazy. I don't know why I have that memory still, but I think a psychotherapist would have a field day with that, like on their couch. Like. So anyway, so so maybe my passion for music comes from my passion for Mrs. Budway and that experience of. Uh, I wasn't the only one in the room. This wasn't like a, good. yeah, this wasn't, don't, don't feel like this was like a, a Me Too movement kind yeah, of good, moment. Good. So. <laughs> Reverse Me Too, though. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so trumpet was, and trumpet was really my only instrument. Actually, it was the instrument that in high school I started playing in church. We did. Uh, so I grew up in a church where we played more gospel, uh, like gospel funk with mm -hmm. a lot of like bass and brass and, yeah. and things like that. But my first paying gig was actually with the harmonica. Oh, really? <laughs> so uh, there was a pastor I knew. He knew I played harmonica too. I had bought a couple. I still have them. <laughs> and uh, um, he had heard me play trumpet and then I had pulled out the harmonica sometimes and, and like held it up to the microphone and played. So he said, Luke, I'm, I'm putting together a band for a conference to play. I'd love you to bring your trumpet. He goes, but especially what I want is your harmonica. <laughs> and I think I got like 250 bucks or oh, something that's like pretty that. Good. So pretty good gig for, yeah. for like a weekend gig. It was, Absolutely. That was my first paying gig. <laughs> and then uh, guitar started in college. My, my friend Ben from Pine Valley, mm -hmm. we were roommates in college. Is he the Philly one? He's in Philly, oh, yep. yeah. And uh, yeah, he's a... A doctor of uh, chemistry. Oh wow! Yeah, that's and he's right. a smart guy. <laughs> um, pharmacology, I think, is actually his uh, doctor of pharmacology. Title. Yeah, first yeah. official title. But uh, yeah, so he had a guitar and he could sing and play guitar, and I didn't feel really confident in either of those things. Mm -hmm. So I used to. Um, you didn't feel confident in singing. In, oh no, not college? at all. Wow. No, no, no. Uh, I never did chorus or anything like that. Like wow. this was an interest, an interest for me. So he would go to class and I'd be in the dorm room. I'd lock the door and pull out his guitar and like <laughs> learn songs. Yeah. So nine uh, or uh, Johnny Cash did that Nine Inch Nails cover of Hurt. Okay. And I think that's the first song I learned on the guitar oh, and, and sang. So I was trying to do like sing like Johnny Cash when wow. I first started. Uh, but I did it more and more, and then within like a year or two, I had my own guitar. Yeah. Um, and then what kind of what gave me confidence to sing is um. I was a theater minor in college, so I did a lot oh, of stage shows. Okay. And uh, I was going to stay away from the musicals, but a, a friend of mine said, Luke, if you really, he was a couple years older, he goes, if you really want to get opportunities on the stage, he goes, you have to be, be willing to sing, even mm. if you're not a great singer. Yeah. And he goes, if you're not feeling confident, just do some singing classes or something. So there was like a group class that the college is at. It was like a one credit class you could take for voice. Mm -hmm. So I, I said, I want to do that. So I, I took it. It was like five or six of us, but one, you know, God bless her <laughs> tone deaf girl w would sing in that class. And so if anything made you confident to sing is uh, yeah. singing after a tone deaf person, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I guess I'm not that bad. Yeah. So, but singing is, uh, is like a muscle. So the more you do it, the better you get at it, and I don't mm -hmm. think most people believe that, but it's actually pretty true. Uh, when what you if try you're tone to, deaf? Is that you still can learn? You can, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
uh, but part of singing is learning how to listen, mm. and uh, um, so you learn to listen to what other people are singing and where their pitch is at, and then you learn to how to match your voice to it. And okay. then your vocal chords are all controlled by muscles, you know, mm -hmm. it's not by your thoughts, you know. Okay. So, so it's learning to use those <laughs> muscles precisely, just right. like any other, like a, why can people who play soccer kick the ball the, the way they do? I can't do that. Yeah. So obviously there's some people who are really great at it, but mm -hmm. I think in terms of the basics, most people can learn how to handle a ball yeah. with their foot or the same with hockey or something like mm -hmm. that. You're not going to be the very best, but yeah. you'll definitely be someone who can do it. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, oh, here's a fun question. Do you get especially excited for Christmas and Easter services because there's more people? No, those are actually some... So I really enjoy Easter, mm -hmm. but those are... Tend to be some of my least favorite Sundays of the oh, year. Okay. <laughs> uh, people are welcomed. It's not because we have more people there. Uh, bah humbug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just that um, they are just so busy. And I, I think if you didn't skip ahead on this track, the first question I talked about how pastoral <laughs> ministry is really built around wanting to connect with people. Yeah. Uh, and to be in their life and to talk to them. Yeah. And that's uh, before and after church is a way to do that. Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve is not the time when people want to have no. deep conversations about their life. They mm -hmm. have a party to get to yeah. or they have things to worry about. Yeah. So I am thankful that they're in church and that we're just taking that hour together to <laughs> remember that, that all the busyness of that season. Yeah. Is really meant to point us back to our attention back to one really important thing. <clears throat> which is a b the birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I like Easter a little bit more, but it, it's because um, Easter has a bunch of services in the week, and each of the services are meant to um, just remind you some really interesting themes mm -hmm. about those last couple days Jesus had before he was crucified. Yeah. So I like that more, but again, Easter Sunday, just like Christmas is people have brunches to get to mm -hmm. you know yeah uh it's more of a it feels more of a show yeah than a um community gathering if that yeah. makes sense yeah we normally don't do uh a time normally every sunday at our in our church service we do a time where i'll come down and ask people what was good about their week or where they want prayer mm -hmm. and, we, and i love that because <laughs> uh I'm not putting on a show. Right. We're just getting together. Yeah. It's just kind of in this formal or structured way. Yeah. But essentially what it is, is it's a family get together. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's really what a church is meant to be is a family. Yeah. And, uh, Easter's just not that way. We don't do that in our service. It's a show <laughs> and it's okay. I mean, it's, uh, we'll still be reminding the big things, but right. it's just, it feels farther away from what I really think churches most meant to be yeah so no i don't it's a lot of work we feel exhausted after christmas and easter yeah i'm sure and uh i don't feel especially hyped but <laughs> they're good things yeah um you you kind of talking about uh the like entertainment side of uh of, a, of like a sermon and stuff um 
and I think I know the answer because we were talking about being humble and stuff, but do you ever kind of like feel like a celebrity for like a second? Because you're like getting up on a stage and people listen to you and you shake hands after the service and everything <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, well, they don't applaud me when I'm done. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe I should make them. <laughs> yeah, we should start. Them. Why aren't you clapping? Yeah. <laughs> this was great. Uh, it should be that way. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it, to be honest, it doesn't. Um, I remember a story. There's a play. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. But essentially, it's a story. Uh, it's this old trope of a doctor who um, uh, the people in the town are getting sick. And he recognizes that it's that the water is poison that everybody's drinking. Mm. Like the well is bad. Yeah. And he's yelling to everybody in the town, like, the well is bad. And nobody wants to believe him. Okay. Uh, so a sermon sometimes for me feels like that, which is <laughs> there's this radical message that uh, <laughs> change your life. Change your life, you know. <laughs> there's, there's something about the well that you keep going to that's bad for you. Yeah. And there's something so much better and safer for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, with all my heart, I believe that and want you to understand that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then when people say goodbye to me at the end of the service, it's not like, you're right. And I need that. It's, it's, that was a funny joke you told, you know, (laughs) or, you know, it's like, you really did better. Yeah. You really did better than before. And so it's, uh, it's like, I, the, the thing that's really on my heart is, you know, the well is bad. Like there's news you need to know and Mm -hmm. it really wants you to understand. Yeah. And uh, so the the idea of performance or celebrity is just really far away from what I'm feeling when I when I'm I'm up there mm-hmm. in in front of you. And it's not to say I don't I don't re- I realize that there's some performance parts to being a preacher. Yeah, but it's just it's personality, right? Mm-hmm. So God has a personality; He's a person. Mm-hmm. I have a personality that God gave me. Right. So I'm just trying to share some things about God through this personality He's given me. So the jokes I'm telling <laughs> are the jokes that express who I am and how yeah. I live life. You know, the stories I'm telling are my personality coming out. Mm-hmm. So, so there's some performance things there, but the core of it is there's some truth that I really want you to know. Mm-hmm. You talked about. Uh god um having a personality and stuff um what do you for like what do you think that god like is to you like i think a lot of people think we think that he's just like a guy with a beard in the sky yeah well yeah yeah uh god is a woman isn't that the song the new song oh yeah yeah and he loves that song uh who God is is really uh, tough. Yeah, <laughs> because um, um, it is the it's. I think what I think the best description is that God is the uh, super person or the ground of all being. So mm-hmm. what it means to be alive, God knows so much better because God has always existed, always understands what it is. What it means to the best, so maybe this way, the best 
Tommy that you could be that day where you just think, man, I nailed it on mm-hmm. every single thing. Yeah. God knows in so much greater ways what it means to be the best in all that God could be. Yeah. You know, in terms of wisdom and doing the right thing. Yeah. So God is like the ground of existence of being uh, in some way that I just, uh, we just can't get. He's super right. personal. Yeah. And I shouldn't use the term he because God is not a man with a right. beard. Right. Uh, uh, God is just some being and he's right. just a way to remind us that God's not an it, you know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like, so, yeah. um, it's just to remind us that God is a person. Uh, and so all that's even when we talk about maybe characteristics that are more, uh, like a man or more like a woman or whatever, whatever they are. Like, I, I think of like in terms of like father or mother. So uh, my wife's a very nurturing mother, but God is those things. God is a mother in some ways, in the ways he cares and loves and nurtures us, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, A traditional way that we think about dads or fathers is the way they are meant to provide or protect us. Yeah. God is that, but so much more. Right. So all the best that we could say about what human beings are like, Mm -hmm. God is like, take it up times 10, maybe, yeah. you know? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, he's up on the highest floor. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's really hard to describe him except to just say he is more than the best of what we could be. Yeah. And uh, and all we are is a uh, imitation, an image right. of that best. Yeah. That, uh, it's almost beyond our understanding. Right. I, I heard this thing. I really like it. It's mm-hmm. us trying to understand God fully is like, dogs trying to understand the internet yeah <laughs> yeah i heard uh that reminds me of i heard a, a a metaphor where yeah like creation so the whole universe mm-hmm. like even those weird laws that that guide it mm-hmm. um like all this stuff that god's put in and in, in terms of how god's made this this universe and made us as complex people mm-hmm. um, would be a lot like cats and dogs in the uh, library, mm. which is we could see the order. We could understand that there's something unusual about this place, yeah. something that was made or like kind of set up, mm-hmm. but that we could never really open, pull off a book and open yeah. it up and really get all the details yeah. that God has baked so much into this creation. Yeah that we could never fully understand. We're like cats and dogs in the library. Yeah. We can see it, mm-hmm. but man, we just can't get down to the root of it. But yeah, yeah kind of like the internet, you just couldn't understand it. It's right. like uh, something supra intelligent right. about God. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. That was, yeah, I really enjoyed that answer. I'm not grading your answers, but I really Sure, you can give me my grade after we turn the, <laughs> okay. turn the microphone off. Okay. <laughs> um, it was better than last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, how do your like kids feel about church? They like understand that, um, it's something that is like very big part of their lives, but not everyone does it yet. Cause you said they're two and four, right? Yeah. My kids think of church as a place they get about eight snacks. <laughs> Cause they read the Sunday school snacks. Okay. And where they think they're the most important people in the building because everyone gives them a lot of attention, Mm -hmm. which I'm very thankful for. Yeah. But that's how they understand church. 
uh, I think they understand religion or faith yeah. better at home because we try to do like a family devotion and mm-hmm. prayer at dinner. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's noisy and they, <laughs> like they, uh, they'd rather um, get their candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, because uh, we do like a treat after dinner, but they see us practicing it. Whereas church is like this really weird thing where just a lot of people are next door to our house yeah. once a week. Yeah. And they feel and and they like it because they get attention there. <laughs> so they like church, but not necessarily because of the parts of the service or something like that. Yeah. Although they do like the music, so and yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> kind of back to writing a little bit. Um, do you have like have ways to like trick yourself into writing if if you have a hard time, like if if you picked uh a text that you're going off of mm-hmm. and you're like, I just, I'm not like hearing anything. Or I'm not feeling anything. Or you, you haven't like nailed down a, um, a text that you want to go off of. Do you have any like writing tricks that just tricks to get you into like the flow of writing and stuff with like writer's block? Yeah. 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 Or just feeling like what you have isn't sufficient or mm-hmm. the best that you could yeah. come at it. Yeah, I definitely have those feelings. Um, it would just be different. I don't know if this would carry over well for people who are just writing in general because there really is a deep sense that, again, a sermon is in response to God. Mm-hmm. So God speaking first. Right. So what I really believe is that... Um, if I'm not getting an idea, it's not that, yes, there's writer's block and yes, I'm using, I mean, I, I'm using my imagination and my creativity and my writing ability to craft what's a sermon, but it's listening. Mm-hmm. So if I'm stuck, the answer, I mean, I do do some of the techniques that are kind of old hat, which is like, try to just write through it, just put words on a paper and mm-hmm. may not even keep any of them, but at least you're trying to exercise yeah. your mind and like. Get, get work out of the maze. Does that yeah. make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, f- find your way out. Um, so I do do those things sometimes. Um, try to walk away, do something else, and yeah. then come back. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times it's like, okay, God, have I just not listened enough? Right. You know? Yeah. Which is quite possible. You yeah. Know? I mean, just, there's just so many other things you have to do in the church. Um, so it's like, God, maybe I just need to find a space and a time to listen. Mm-hmm. And so that's, excuse me, so then that's prayer. And, and that's prayer, for me, that's prayer not more than just like making a request of, yeah. God, I need you to really help me. And then boom, the answer's there. But it's, mm-hmm. I'll go into the sanctuary and I'll just start walking around and I'll start praying and maybe I'll take gaps. Maybe sometimes my mind wanders. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's even like, uh, since I'm going to be delivering this as a speech, Sometimes it's just talking it through right. rather than writing it through. Oh, okay, and, yeah. Because uh, sometimes I find talking it through helps because it's like then I can find the emotional core mm-hmm. of what I want to say. Yeah. Whereas writing, I think, is a better exercise to for me to maybe find the rational core, like the informational core of what yeah. I want to say, which yeah. is like, I know I need to say this, but I just can't figure out the best words to say it. Mm-hmm. So writing kind of helps me shape it. Sorry, I hear that cat. Yeah. 
So writing is a thing that helps me to uh, figure out how to best kind of work through my reasons. Yeah. Um, but praying helps me sort through my emotions. Right. Yeah, that would have been a better question. You you answered it, but um, like, since it's since it's like God working through you, what do you do when you can't? You don't feel like you're can hear him, or you're not listening well enough. Mm -hmm. You answered that, so yeah. Um, how many times do you rehearse your sermon? Um, ideally, uh, I don't you, rehearse it. You don't rehearse it? No. Wow. No, I just go up and do it. Do you, you get to a point where you can do that. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> so you write it, and you sometimes talk through it, and then. And then you just go up and you're like, I kind of remember what I said, what I wrote. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I mean, it's why don't comedians have notes in front of them? Mm -hmm. They know it. Yeah. So my material changes every day. I'm not going club to club and can use the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, um, uh, but most of the rhythms I know. Uh -huh. And so uh, it's just what are the core thoughts? And then uh, I think I can jump into it. And uh, when I first started do doing sermons, I'd write them out word for word, like a speech. Mm -hmm. um, call that manuscript preaching because mm -hmm. you have a you have a written manuscript in front of you. Yeah, uh, I'm less interested in that. And it wasn't because I needed all the words, though. That was a good exercise to think through everything. Mm -hmm. um, I did it more because I thought, well, you know, these are. I'm going to be doing this for 30 years. And if I figured out how to say it really well, then I'd, maybe I'd go back and read it. But now it's like, I look at it like eighth grade homework, which is why would I ever go back and look at my eighth grade <laughs> homework? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I've got that and I'm ready to move on. So, yeah. um, sometimes I still write it out, but I'm really at the point where I'm kind of doing like, maybe like a beefed up out outline. Yeah. So not like a skeleton outline, but kind of one that has, if there's something I really want to say specifically, just because I want to be careful with the words, uh -huh. so people don't misunderstand me, mm -hmm. I might write it out. Yeah. But for the most part, the filler stuff, <laughs> I, I know how to put it in there. Yeah. And like the jokes or stories are easy because I I know how I want to say it. Yeah. And I get two times every Sunday because we have two services. True, so yeah. So sometimes that first time at eight thirty in the morning, man, I just feel like I hit it. <laughs> it's like man, I and I do. I mean, I do. You know. When I, I I'll mentally compare the two services and think, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, I didn't get the same. I don't feel like I got to hit the landed the plane some some mm -hmm. way. Describe it. landed the plane the same way I did yeah. before. Like yeah, you know, like if you ever ride in a plane, sometimes that captain just like just touches, just kisses the <laughs> runway, so it's like yeah. real soft. And sometimes you hit it, and you're like whoa, and like <laughs> it bounces. And mm -hmm. so sometimes I know that like kind of like an airplane. It's like sometimes I know that point I wanted to, man, it just yeah. kissed the tarmac yeah. in like the best way that would people could understand. Mm -hmm. And trying to deliver the same material, sometimes it just goes a little clunky. Yeah. You seem to be really good at like, uh, uh, like comparing things to things like the, the kiss of the runway and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And do you think that's uh, like influenced or inspired by or like you cultivated it more because like there's parables in the Bible and like compare like, c comparisons in the Bible too um, that that help you understand um, so you kind of like cultivated that 
uh, through scale. the Bible. Is that what you're saying? You, like, um, like there's things in the Bible that say like that have parables or yeah. So, do you think because of that you're like, oh, that's that's a really good skill to like develop of comparing things to make people understand what it's like. Sure. I mean, I think Jesus is really good at that, but um, the Bible overall is uh, can be a really clunky piece of material. <laughs> and it sometimes it doesn't make sense to me uh-huh. um, at places. But uh, uh, And even Jesus' parables, I think, are at times take a lot of reflection to maybe get it right. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes the ways we, we talk about Jesus' stories are... Um, Yes, they're comparisons to help you understand something, but sometimes I think even uh, we miss it, mm. all of what Jesus is trying to say. Yeah. Um, I think it's, for preachers, I think we are always trying to look for something in life uh, or in experiences that help people understand. Uh-huh. But I think that's the wisdom of God. I mean, so that's what Jesus is saying. I mean... What makes Jesus' parables clunky is he's talking to people who most of, most of them like lived in an age of where you farmed or you know yeah. you, you practiced a trade. And right. So when you look at the stories he talks about, they aren't really. I mean, in his day, they would have been very real experiences that those people would have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get the idea of scattered seeds. It's actually kind of nice. I mean, we can like the story of the the uh, farmer who takes seeds and throws them into different places and Jesus has used this as, as a way to teach about yeah like how people why some people become Christians and some people don't like why some people respond yeah and live a life of faith and they don't yeah very great story um, but that would have been made a lot of sense to people who they did that every day right yeah um, so as a pastor when I'm I think that again, exercising a muscle, which is I'm paying attention to life and mm-hmm. like I've go to experience and just because I, because of conversations I have with people or because I once a week I'm speaking in front of people, I'm yeah. looking for things uh-huh. that I think God's would say, yeah, it's, it's kind of showing a little bit of the deeper thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, uh, there's like a surface truth. Mm-hmm. It's kind of shows up as a deeper truth. Right? Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the um, flap in a book, right? So if you like open the book and you read the flap on the inside, it's like that would pretty much give you the idea of what the book's gonna mm-hmm. say. Yeah, uh, and that might be an experience or a little metaphor. Yeah, uh, it's like here's the uh, here's the the gist of it. Yeah. Uh, it helps you it. understand, but the book mm-hmm. is like the really deep stuff. So right. I think sometimes a metaphor can kind of be like the flap but yeah it tells you there's something a lot deeper mm-hmm. know, that you can get to know and experience so. yeah well metaphors and like and i just used the metaphor to explain i know i know so that's why i laughed i was like wow there you go okay. prove my point um uh what do you think about people that um talk about like metaphor like the bible is a metaphor and there's like nothing literally true because i've heard that a couple times sure what do, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. Um, so I think Christians, like the average Christian, 
wants a soundbite of how to talk about the Bible. Uh-huh. So the most common one they'll use, which it's true, is that the Bible is the Word of God. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you use that, then you can say, well, any part of the Bible like needs to have this kind of level of seriousness or acceptance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let me get to the details. <laughs> so if the Bible is the Word of God and the first three chapters of the Bible talk about the earth being made in seven days. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of authority do I give to those words? Do right. I say that's metaphor about God, um, uh, uh, how God creates the world? Mm-hmm. That's one way to look at it. But maybe I say, no, that's not the right kind of authority. We treat the word of God. And I think it means we got to take it as it is, like yeah. word for word, okay. which is literal. Yeah. And so God made the world, as some Christians believe, 6,000 years ago in mm-hmm. really seven days. Yeah. And then they, uh, the problems you get is that then science, which is not a religious uh, uh, thing, it's kind of a different field altogether, right. Right? like the hard sciences, mm-hmm. is saying, well, if you're going to read the Bible literally, what do we do with the fossil record? Or right. you know, what do we do with radiocarbon dating? Or things? Because yeah. it sure makes the earth seem a lot older. Uh-huh. Um, so for Christians, we have to understand first, what is the Bible? Um, so yes, it's the Word of God, but we have to have a maybe a more nuanced understanding of what that means. Okay. So be humble in what you're saying to people when you say the Bible is the Word of God. Yeah. Because what the Bible actually is, Biblia just means, uh, kind of like in Spanish, biblioteca means a library, okay. a collection of books. The Bible uh, is a collection of books. Okay. And in that library, uh, that is the Bible, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of different styles. Right. So um, when you read um, the story of Job, right. Job is a really long book yeah. that tells a story about a guy who uh, um, loses everything because mm-hmm. Satan asks God if he can do it. Yeah. But that's actually like just the first and last chapter of Job is what Satan, asks, Satan tells God to do. Uh-huh. And then the very end of the story where Job has, ends up with a lot better life after all of his bad experiences than before. Mm-hmm. So what is Job really? It's like 38 chapters in the Bible of poetry right. of these friends talking about all these different ways that uh, you can understand suffering and uh-huh. how God's involved in suffering. Yeah. So are we supposed to take that literally? Because everything the friends say by the end of it is wrong because they don't understand mm. how God is related to suffering. Yeah. It's poetry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have to read it like that. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, so some books are easier to do it like that. So first Chronicles and second Chronicles in the Old <laughs> Testament are trying to tell history of, um, the people of Israel uh-huh. and where they made mistakes and what happened when they made mistakes when they didn't, uh, live up to what God had asked them to do. Mm-hmm. It's history and we can read it that way. Yeah. Okay. So those ones are easier. What's harder are books like Genesis, which... Um, it's like, so what was the writer of Genesis trying to do in the first three chapters? Were they writing history? Because mm-hmm. it's not very similar to the history you read in First Chronicles. It doesn't bring up dates or names of kings. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to talk about some story of how God began it. Yeah. So for the Christians who say, I want to take it literally and believe that the earth is created in seven days, yeah. and 
they want to do those mental gymnastics of trying to figure out like how do you understand the fossil record mm -hmm. if the earth is older than 6,000 yeah. years old. Uh, that's fine. I'll give them the freedom to do that, but I just don't feel the same need to do that. Not because I don't believe the Bible's the word of God. It's just because I don't think the Bible is trying to communicate what they want it to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think what the Bible is just trying to communicate is not a metaphor, um, but uh, n uh, maybe a narrative, right? Yeah. So okay. it's not trying to give you the details of how it happened at right. the beginning, mm -hmm. but just trying to say in the beginning of the story, God was doing some things. Yeah. And uh, um, the writer of Genesis, inspired by God, mm -hmm. is just trying to say God made everything. Yeah. And God made everything carefully. Mm-hmm. But I think science tells us that, you know, science tells yeah. us like how fine tuned everything is. Yeah, and yeah. So Christians, this is an old idea in Christianity that God wrote two books, which is the book of the Bible and the book of nature. Oh, And you can wow. read both books to learn a lot about God. Wow. I never heard that. So, and I really like that metaphor because it's like, uh, I'm really interested in science and I think science says some really think great things. Mm -hmm. And I don't think what science teaches us or shows us about the universe is necessarily trying to say it in contradiction to what the Bible is saying. Mm -hmm. I just think that there's some places of tension where uh, we have to read both books. Yeah. Read the book of nature and the book that of the Bible, mm -hmm. the, the word of God. Mm -hmm. um, but some people, there are some Christians who want to throw out the Bible altogether because they find it really confusing or hard. Yeah. Because of the ways it doesn't yeah. always square up with science. Yeah. But there are some Christians who want to throw out science because they'd rather find an easier way yeah. to just accept everything that's in the Bible. And mm -hmm. so that's to toss out the other book. But right. I believe that through creation, God's written the book of nature. Yeah. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's written the book that is the Bible, the mm -hmm. collection of books. Yeah. So, um, so as Christians, we just have to be really humble that uh, it's just not so easy and we have to think about it. Um, and uh, I'm thankful that God would do that. You know, God, yeah. if you look at creation, if you look at people and human beings and even how we think, and even the dumbest person is a pretty complex <laughs> person and uh -huh. they have feelings and things like that. Yeah. God seems to really like complex things mm -hmm. and he likes to make complex things. Yeah. Uh, so when God formed the Bible, he formed a pretty interesting and complex thing, but something I think that's really beautiful too. Yeah. Um, so something like the, the nature and Bible books, mm -hmm. uh, and like some people say they contradict each other, mm -hmm. but, um, I mean, I'm not trying to like yeah, push make it. an argument yeah. or whatever. No. Yeah, but, go ahead, push it. So, uh, I think, there the we don't have we can't see all the pages of the nature book and that's why there's like some inconsistencies or whatever you want to call it and like the kind of goes back to the dogs and cats in the library thing um there's two only two books in that library mm -hmm. apparently <laughs> yeah. but um uh <laughs> yeah I, I think we we're not seeing the full picture and that's why like people are like, well, it can't be this because of this nature thing that we've recently found. 
you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's fully, I kind of sure. just thought about that now. It's not fully developed. Yeah, no, I think, so for, for me personally, places where I struggle. So the Bible has a really important central story at the beginning, which is the story of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's the very first two human beings uh, make choices together that disobey God. Mm -hmm. And because of that, all the rest of creation is messed up. Not just human beings, but everything. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's really important. And then when you get to the newer books of the Bible where Jesus is in it, yeah. <coughs> Adam and Eve come back up in it as the source of the problem. And Jesus is described as the new Adam. So he's going to be the one that brings the new creation. Now, if that story is really important, but then you're trying to just square it away with where science has gotten us. Mm -hmm. Like human beings don't just pop up out of nowhere. They're through a process of evolution. Mm hmm uh, and he, it like makes me think about like, so there's another species that was really close to humans called the Neanderthals mm -hmm. and they disappeared because we either bred them out and, or killed them too. Yeah. So what does that say about <laughs> God and, and like, how do we understand Adam and Eve through that? Yeah. So it's like, yes, I mean, I think there are very specific things that I know the Bible's telling a certain story about creation and the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we discover these new things about nature, yeah. especially the beginnings of the world, right. uh, sometimes it is kind of humbling. Okay, God, I don't see clearly how these things work uh -huh. uh, together. Um, but then at the same time, it doesn't... I think Christianity, what it says most powerfully about us isn't necessarily who the first two human beings were. Okay. Uh, it's really about what is the biggest problem that we have. And it, I, I think it is that problem that there's just something not right about us. We don't do the things we sh know we should. Mm -hmm. We don't live. We don't always feel as satisfied as we'd want to feel satisfied. There's like something just deeply within our hearts and our inner psychology that's wrong. Yeah. And the Bible seems to really have a really interesting and powerful answer to that, which is Jesus. Like that, the, there's uh, something can really change you through believing in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'd be, I'm in open in that struggle that there are just some things about the Bible that don't square away with at least where science is at right now. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily take away that the possibility, and uh, I think the really good probability of that God wanted to change the world through Jesus. Mm -hmm. So the details of Adam and Eve are interesting things to struggle over. And yeah. I can understand why people have crises of faith. Uh, like they start to have really big doubts about it. Um, but yeah, I, I, like you said, I don't know. Science continues to add pages to the book. Mm -hmm. The Bible does not. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, and the Bible is very old. Yeah. Um, uh, so science continues to get revised. The Bible doesn't. But right. again, when we read the two books together, uh, what does it teach us? So um, the Neanderthals, however they disappeared, don't change the fact that there's a lot of really deep problems of evil and pain and hurt in this world. Yeah. And always been. Yeah. And what's the answer for that? And mm -hmm. Can you just be satisfied with the, the thought that there really is no answer. I'm just a glob of matter yeah. <laughs> that can think. <laughs> and when I die, I'll just become a glob of matter that yeah. goes into something else. Yeah.
So <laughs> that's what Neil deGrasse Tyson thinks about his life, and that's fine. You can do that, but to me, that's really unsatisfying. Yeah. Um, why do you think? Because uh, it, it seems like they, the Adam and even Adam and even Adam, Adam and, and even, even. yeah, <laughs> Adam and even Stevens. Mm. Um, why we wrote that story to like simplify like the beginning of man and stuff but then we get like so specific about like we were talking about in devos last night um i can't remember his name amadeus or something amadeus amadeus no it's not that i'm sure yeah no i'm not sure i i don't remember yeah it was deborah's it was like his name was son of something okay and oh, like, blind Bartimaeus. Yeah, yeah. See, mm-hmm. I was a little bit close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, my days. Oh, my days. That's where I must have got that. But Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> blind um, Bartimaeus. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so he was son of someone else. Mm-hmm. And like, why do we include that like son of who cares? He's just a guy and this is the story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So why, why does certain parts of the Bible have a lot of details? And then the places we'd like to have it to have details, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Like the beginning of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It wouldn't have been great if there was someone there that was like writing the, like what was <laughs> happening out as God didn't seem to want to do it Wait, that way. Wait, go back. I missed the part. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> um, so Christians believe that the Bible was written by human beings mm-hmm. with their abilities, but inspired by God's Holy Spirit, right. the Holy Spirit, who mm-hmm. is God. So perhaps the person who was writing Genesis thought, this is great. And I think God's putting it in my mind, but mm-hmm. was using the best information that was in front of them or what was kind of lived in. in front yeah. Of them. Uh, and that's how we understand inspiration. Mm-hmm. So it's we're humble in that, and I, I don't think Christians are as humble as they should be in that because other religions, not that I'm an expert in them, mm-hmm. but I know like in Islam, they believe that the words that the Prophet Muhammad wrote were spoken by an angel and mm-hmm. he was just transcribing them. Right. So that's a different kind of inspiration than Christians believe. Yeah. Uh, we don't believe that God made human robots who, like, their arms were, and hands were taken over and their uh-huh. thoughts were taken over. Yeah. We believe God works through people. Yeah. Right. So that makes it a little easier to um, say a story like Adam and Eve is really profound and talking about maybe how evil comes into the world, uh-huh. but it maybe it's not literally true. Right. I know for a really deep skeptic, they would say, oh, that's just a nice way to kind of dance around the problem. Mm, yeah. But uh, I just think that, you know, just, I think humbly, I just think that that's the way God chooses to work. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but, but then what's really interesting is that, you know, as people are living through things and they're experiencing things, mm-hmm. they're putting in the details, showing that what they're experiencing is not a made-up story. Right. So the further right. you get in the Bible, especially getting in the New Testament, 
Like when you read the Gospels, they're naming all these random people and you're thinking, if he was thinking, okay, someone's going to read this in 2,000 years and they're wanting to know blind Bartimaeus, son of yeah. Timaeus, uh-huh. like, why would he do that? Well, he's giving a record of a historical person yeah. who experienced something through Jesus. Paul says to, in one of his letters, Paul is an early Christian who writes a lot of letters. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, 500 of us saw Jesus when he came back to life from the dead. 500 of us witnessed, and he goes, many of them are still with us today. Mm. And he names some of them. Okay. Now, why is he doing that? It's because he wants you to, if you live near that person, say, did you really see that happen? Because you're in the letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would have to say yes or no. (laughs) It's verifiable. Right. We do that in science, Mm -hmm. uh, in in modern history, the way we write it down. We, We put down names. Uh, to verify that it really happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's really interesting. Archaeologically, uh, we're finding that the Bible is, the writers were really trying to be honest about what was happening in history. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the accusation is, well, they're just all making it. They're making legends. You right, know? yeah. They're telling stories like like uh, Paul Bunyan and the Big Axe or, uh-huh. um, or like, uh, like any kind of myth, like, you know, like uh, Thor and, you know, the gods <laughs> of Valhalla, yeah. you know. Yeah. But the Bible's not trying to do that in a lot of the places. A lot, in a lot of the places, it's trying to tell us some real experiences that people had. Mm-hmm. And to prove it, they're putting the details in. Yeah. You know, you can tell a liar when they uh, their details aren't good. They're you know, right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're making this up. <laughs> but the Bible's trying to show that we're not. Yeah. Wow. That was, yeah, A+. plus. I know I'm not supposed to tell you yet, but... No, the microphone's still on. <laughs> um, yeah, and you had great answers, obviously, but if you don't know, like, it's, I'm not going to be upset if you're like, I'm not sure. So I don't think I have any more big, hard questions like that. Okay. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> ASMR. Uh... Uh, what's what's a funny unplanned thing that happened while you were at youth group or doing a sermon? Funny unplanned thing. You know, I, I'll be honest, I can't think of anything. That's like okay. That, so we'll skip that one. Um, skip. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So you you make videos for youth group. And even a video to like explain an email that you made to mm-hmm. uh, say what we need to do uh-huh. to get here where we are right now. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how many views that got, but I don't think it was like a ton. No. <laughs> and but I watched it. Oh, thank you. And I commented on it so oh. that you would know. I don't know. Thank you. you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I didn't know you commented on it, but thanks. Yeah, because uh, I, I knew. That message. Right, yeah, because I knew you took time on it. I could tell, and uh, and I don't want you to feel like they're not listening to me because it's really easy, especially when you can't tell if anyone's even looking. And mm-hmm. so, anyway, so uh, why do you take so much time to make uh, things good when you know, <laughs> like, there's not like. It's not going like on a movie screen or something. And I'm not like dissing you. <laughs> I'm yeah. just asking like what what's your motivation um, behind 
doing that, even though some people would think it might be a future. Sure. So this is not like a major part of my job, but part of what I do is I make videos um, for the church. At times, I'll make a video for worship mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday, and then there have been times I've done it for for our youth group. Most times when I do it for a youth group, like there's been a few times where I've been away for a Sunday night and uh, if I don't have one of the other adult leaders speaking, I'll make a video. Mm -hmm. And the video in some ways is to help the adults because maybe the topic's really hard and I don't want to put them in a place where they're trying to talk on something they don't feel comfortable that they know very much about. Mm -hmm. But there's another level where it's like, I'll be honest, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I don't know if many people do. Yeah, Others I think a do. lot of people do. I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I'm really interested. I think YouTube's really, I think YouTube is the coolest thing in terms of like media to come out in 50 or 60 years. Yeah, wow, cool. Um, I like podcasts, but I think podcasts aren't, <laughs> aren't as powerful as what YouTube is, which is essentially anybody without a contract without a studio can create mm-hmm. really impressive media that's really well done yeah it's uh it's the open market for video production mm-hmm. that we've never had before because uh when television came out the studios had control and they made right. it happen but yeah so anyway i just i'm really inspired by people who are creating really cool and interesting things mm-hmm explainer videos that I like but uh, um, and so I do what I'm just when I think about myself it's just telling me okay you are you absorb more by watching it happen uh-huh. uh, than reading it yeah and I just the more I move along the more I realize that's probably the case for a lot more people which is um, we've moved from a text-based culture which is where everybody's reading and yeah letters are the way we communicate and, and <laughs> books are the way we consume new ideas mm-hmm. to i mean we've been here for a while but we just haven't been willing to say it we're an image-based culture which is uh tv and movies and, yeah and uh now youtube videos don't say that on a podcast <laughs> it's okay <laughs> well podcast has its place no, but yeah i'm kidding i'm just talking about what's number one no yeah uh is what we see yeah you know um uh so the things we put in front of our eyes now help form how we understand um the world or what we want Mm -hmm. or or all those things so anyway big answer but so essentially it's like if i want to make a video i mean i don't have all the best equipment and i'm still learning how to do it yeah i just there's part of me that thinks i this is going to go a long way for a while so I'd rather it be good yeah. than half-hearted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, like, the one I did for our email was just simple because it's like I realized that I'm going to write a long email to give you all these details and people are going to skim through it mm-hmm. because it's in my email inbox. If I want to read it, I can read it later. Yeah. And then it doesn't get read and yeah. then you are at you got to pack your bags for a trip to Costa Rica. Yeah. So. Or people have uh, fears uh-huh. about going. Yeah. And so I think sometimes having a person in front of you who is talking you through details yeah. takes away some sense of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so a video is just communicates some things that I think are really relevant today. Yeah. It's just how we consume things with mm-hmm. our eyes. Yeah. Um, 
but where why <laughs> like Ooh, when <laughs> <laughs> there's a work ethic behind it because you could make it like really half-hearted um do you, where do you think that comes from that you want to make it good? sure i learned a long time ago i actually was it's fun again funny full circle that we're here in costa rica Mm. Uh, right now. So the first time I came down to this church, there's a family that lives next door to the church. And uh, um, they, at the time, they had a son. He was eight years old at the time. And uh, uh, I really had a good week just getting to know him. Didn't speak the same language as him mm -hmm. for the most part. Uh, but I had my guitar. And I probably had that guitar for a year and a half. Remember, <laughs> I was learning it in college. Yeah. And this was the end of my college career. And I just really wanted to give him that guitar. <laughs> when I went home, my parents, who gave me that guitar as a Christmas gift, oh, said, no. why did you give away that guitar? Yeah. But there's something that happened. So I gave him that guitar, and this just a beautiful moment. This boy was just crying because he was so happy. Yeah. And the day we left this church in Costa Rica, it was like very early in the morning, he came down and gave me his watch. Uh -huh. And uh, what it hit me, like the thought that it, it gave me is, what I was trying to give him was the best that I had, which was my fairly new guitar. Yeah. Um, knowing he'd want it and knowing it would uh, mean a lot to him mm -hmm. as a gift. What he gave me was, well, I don't know if it was for him, but for me it felt like the best that he could give mm -hmm. to someone else of something he really valued. I think people deserve the best that we can give them, mm -hmm. and that really motivates me. So, um, And sometimes to a fault, because I think there are some times when you just have to say, what works is good enough, but so you can't be a perfectionist. Uh, that's its own vice. Mm-hmm. But if you really feel passionate about it, if you really think it's worth doing, and it's for others, then I think that's a gift that people deserve, the best gift you can give them. So when it comes to making videos, I believe that they can be a way that communicates to people. I really believe in the message that I'm trying to put behind them. Uh, if I'm making them uh, for church, and uh, if those things are there, then I think that the people who are consuming them deserve the best that I can, can make. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not the best at making videos, but <laughs> I'll do the best that I can do. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you think stops you from being the best you could be? Uh, as a person? Mm-hmm. Sin. <laughs> Sin does. Yeah. Lack of faith. Mm. Um, but I mean, again, I'm a pastor, so I don't think everybody would have the same answer as me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm just deeply driven that by the thought that I can't make the best me myself. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I could try to make all the choices that make me the happiest or make me feel the most fulfilled. And I think I'd be, at the end, I'd be sat unsatisfied. Mm -hmm. There are people who 
their driving ambition is to make a lot of money. Yeah. And when they become millionaires, they aren't so much, they aren't happy. And they were the best that they could be of themselves. They mm -hmm. achieved what they wanted and they were still unsatisfied. Yeah. And that tells me a lot about human beings and uh, the problems of our hearts. Okay. So, um, so that tells me it's got to be something bigger than me that can make me my best. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be, be something bigger than me that can make me satisfied. And so then, as a Christian, as a pastor, it tells me that it must be God. Um, and so there's a quote, it's very old. Uh, St. Augustine said, uh, God, you've made us for yourselves. So, yourself. so mm -hmm. essentially, God, you created us uh, so that you could enjoy us and mm -hmm. that we could enjoy you. Yeah. And then the quote goes on to say, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Mm -hmm. So um, the best me will always be unsatisfied because the way God's made has made human beings is that we would just feel restless in this life, unsatisfied, even on our best days, mm -hmm. until we can figure out how to get closer to God, Yeah. until we can make those steps to do that. And it's not like a figure out like we have no idea how. I mean, the Bible gives a lot of ways in which we move closer and closer to God. But yeah. our hearts are restless until they rest in Him. Man, that's a beautiful word there. Yeah. I love that, too. <laughs> uh, are you one of those people that would say, I have no regrets? No, I have a lot of regrets. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, and some of them I have to live with. Um, but again, here's a, a quote. It's just, um, uh, in God's economy, so economy just means a way that God does and works and, d uh, causes things to happen in God's economy. Nothing is wasted, mm -hmm. uh, which is good. It just means that the regrets I have are regrets about doing things I wish I didn't do. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of Christians, they think, well, what that means is just that God's really angry at me for those things I didn't do. But yeah. in God's economy, nothing is wasted. So yeah. my biggest mistakes, God will want to use to do something good in my life yeah. through. Uh, Ro Romans 8.28 says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Mm -hmm. So... I do have regrets, but I think the comforting thought is, God, the things that I wish I didn't do, or even the things I wish that weren't my fault but were done to me, mm -hmm. uh, that happened in my life, man, I really regret that they happened, but God, I'm going to just trust that you're working through them to do not waste them. Mm -hmm. To say even the worst experiences of my life have a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something that I just thought of uh, yeah. about sin that it doesn't really apply to really anything. I don't think, but it's fine. Um, there, uh, sin isn't. Um, someone was making an argument that it was on a podcast, of course. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, like sin isn't uh, inherently bad, but um, it that like the more you sin, the more you're separated from God. 
and I never really made that connection before. Like, it's not you sin because it's bad, quote unquote. You sin because you're you want to be closer to God, and those sins make you farther away from God. Does that make sense? Sure, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think there's a hundred ways to talk about what's going on in sin. Yeah. Um. Again, I mean, God makes complex human beings, mm-hmm. and I think we think of sin as just I was supposed to do this and I did that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that really gets to the uh, heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. And the heart of the issue really is just human hearts: is that we want to love something. And so sometimes that the motivation to love something really in and of itself is not bad. Uh, but what God's saying is the best thing to do is to love me. Mm-hmm. And we try to replace that love for God with other things. So the problem of sin is not a rule-breaking issue to me at, the, at its deepest level, but it's a love issue, mm-hmm. which is... You might have good motivation, so it's like uh, um, take a take a really hot button sin, like something with to do with sex, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's pornography or um, you know, just for Christians, we believe that sex outside of marriage really isn't the wisest thing to do, not what God wants. Yeah. Um, so, what is it you really want? So, I think people would say, well, you just want to feel good and that's why you go for those things. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true at some level, but mm-hmm. I think when you really get down to the deep depth of it, it's like, you know, sex is this experience of intimacy, like of knowing someone and having them know you in, in some really deep and intimate way, which I think is at the desire of all of us. Mm-hmm. There's something really good about that desire. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, but then the problem is love. So, um, what essentially like what hooking up with somebody says is not necessarily love the other person, but it's, man, I just love the feeling that this gives me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see people make a lot of stupid decisions when they love the feeling more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and so for Christians, we'd say, if you love God first, uh, um, instead of a feeling, yeah. um, uh, that'll go better for your life. Mm-hmm. You'll find something a lot more fulfilling. Yeah. So the problem is sin. Yes, we have really good desires for things, mm-hmm. um, but then but we're loving the wrong thing in mm-hmm. pursuit of those desires. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, think about fame. So fame is where you are well known because you do something really well. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. if if it's for bad things, you're infamous. But right. uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but there are people who love fame for that feeling it gets you that I'm important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a, the desire to want to be important to other people is good. But to be important in the way that Kim Kardashian has made herself important <laughs> is not, a, not like a very healthy way, which essentially it's, you know, she kind of prostitutes herself out there you know it's like i mean i yeah that sounds that sounds so old but but sorry but like it's like uh you know if your greatest talent is that you have a like a diaper butt it's like um saggy old butt uh i mean i just pity you because there's so much so much better things to love in this world than to Mm -hmm. just be famous yeah. And there's so many better ways to experience 
being important to people, especially yeah. to God, than than that. So I think that is a really wise thing to say about sin. I think it is there's something good in the desire, it, but there's just something wrong in the thing we love mm-hmm. in pursuing that desire. Yeah. You don't want that thought? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if that meant we were at the end. It was a long we're, silence. We're, we're close. Yeah, okay. Um, I just, I didn't want to cut you off. And no. It looked like you were in your eyes going somewhere else. No. But to be fair to Kim Kardashian. <laughs> she's great. She's, she's, she's been doing good stuff with her platform, it seems, lately. She's like... Yeah. Then went to the White House and was like helping people get out of jail. That's I was just out. trying to be relevant. I mean, this is modern talk. Totally and so I was it. trying to be modern, but... I uh, I mean, as you can see, I, I'm old-fashioned. No, no, no. I just wanted, in case she ever wants to come on, I just Yeah, hey, to... yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah. Kim, I'm sorry. You're great. He You're a wonderful you. person. I'd love to meet you. I mean, the president's met you. <laughs> or your husband. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talked about important things. Okay. Um, so, since we get so heavy and everything especially in this one um what we like to end we being me like to end with like a hardest laugh story so have you thought of a story where you laugh really hard it doesn't like no pressure but um uh, sure okay do you, do you have one in mind yeah uh um just again Coming back to being in Costa Rica right now, I'm in the international modern talk show. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to do my best to explain it, but essentially the way we are living right now is kind of like if you're going out into camp. It's kind of like a little bit more primitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the bathrooms are these like really paper thin doors <laughs> um, that uh, there's some weird rules about you can't flush your toilet paper. You have to throw it in a garbage yeah. can. <laughs> Anyway, one time when I was down here, uh, just being here reminds me of it. Uh, um, <laughs> we were, I was in the shower, uh, and one of the uh, other guys in the group wanted to use the bathroom, said, that's fine with me if you want to. <laughs> so he comes in and lifts up the toilet uh, seat cover and goes, Luke, there is this enormous turd <laughs> in the toilet. And I said, just flush it down. And he goes to try to do it. It's too big what? for the toilet to take down. And he goes, it's too big and too hard. And I said, <laughs> I said, go outside and get a stick. And I'm in the shower this whole time. So he goes outside and finds a stick in the ground, comes back and is like spearing this huge turd with a stick. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, uh, and so, um, and then uh, there's more to the conversation. I wish you could. <laughs> But anyway, we, <laughs> we were having a private conversation in the bathroom between him and I. Uh-huh. But again, these are paper thin walls. So the the guys and the girls that were on the trip with us, which there's about 20 of them in total, mm-hmm. heard the entire thing and were laughing the whole time while we were there. And it was just the funniest thing. And he and the next day, <laughs> the stick he used had like half of it had the darkest brown no. stain on it. And we called it the sword. But then later on in the day, one of the kids from the neighborhood came and picked it up and was no. like running around with it. So the poop lancing stick. But just like the whole experience, 
I remember it was just like uh, like one of those belly busting kind of guy yeah. laughing, yeah, deep from your within kind of laughing things. But <laughs> the poop kebab, the poop kebab. <laughs> yep. Oh, that Delicioso. seems like yeah, a long hard laugh, mm-hmm. like laughing for a while. Yep. That's a good one. Uh huh. Um, do you I, have? I think the best. I think the best laughs are. Um, uh, at your own expense mm-hmm. and like in those situations where it's like how did that even happen yeah and, like so so yeah. many things had to happen for that to be yeah. funny yeah. yeah just keeps building on yeah <laughs> um so the the last thing is like you if you want to plug anything like if you have a book <laughs> i don't have a book <laughs> do you plan on having a book ever no okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't um plug pbs no 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 i was trying to think for who might be listening what would be what would be good plug pbs yeah so uh <laughs> we watch poldark so you have no idea what that is <laughs> no. but uh it's a historical drama so okay. uh rachel and i really like it so if you want to watch that we can you can then uh uh message me but i use twitter that's like my favorite social media that's so old too so that's no one's gonna old. i don't think. yeah i don't uh i like it but uh like so it. you could message me on twitter and we could talk about pole dark but yeah. um what's your at on twitter pastor whips <laughs> okay. which sounds like like a sadomasochist <laughs> like, <laughs> God, <just> yeah. candle <laughs> like i'm in all leather <laughs> with, with my booty hanging out in the back but um uh i'll plug these so if you since i we talked about youtube a good bit mm-hmm. um ones i really like so for just kind of interesting thought things um uh um oh you have to give me a second to pull Go them up yeah um i'll start with this so for religious questions if you're yeah. really really interested in um someone who's talking about faith as a Christian mm-hmm. and movies and like some of the hard questions. He's actually a Catholic Bishop. Uh, his name's Robert Barron, but he puts stuff on YouTube. The, um, it's a little bit simpler in quality, but man, he's really interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've really found that to be pretty cool. Um, let me, sorry. I don't let's see if I can get to my, I'm off the internet. So it's not going to let me do it. Oh, Lo siento. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think. Um, other ones I like on YouTube. Um, the Nerd Writer is one who's I think is really awesome, and he does a lot of uh, shows that I think a lot of people are watching. So he has really cool videos on some of the writing in Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know if you ever have you ever seen Westworld. It's on HBO. No, I've heard of it though. Uh, he had some really cool videos on that. He used to put out one once a week, and he's probably out, out to like once every month now. Mm-hmm. So something's going on in his life. <laughs> but uh, I would highly recommend. It. I just find it so interesting, and, and maybe not everything he puts out people would like, but because uh, he kind of goes between art and movies and TV shows. But yeah. Uh, and he does music sometimes, like how um, Michael Jackson uh, wrote um, um, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Mm-hmm. Like, Come on, 
Get up, don't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Like, like all the little technical things that they figured out how to do, how to make a new sound and things like yeah. that. He did one on Rihanna and uh, um, uh, one of her tracks, I can't remember. So I just think he's cool. He's doing some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would recommend those. And then the one I was thinking at the beginning that I couldn't remember is he puts out one like every Monday. His name's uh, Adam Scott, I believe. Okay. He uh, wears a red shirt and blue jeans. He's like a very nerdy guy. <laughs> But he goes all over the world, and his series is called uh, "Places You May Not Know." Okay. And he just goes to out of the out of the ordinary places, and kind of lets you see parts of the world that most people never dreamed existed. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's really cool. Yeah. So those would be my three: uh, Adam Scott, "Places You May Not Know," for just general stuff nerd writer for things on art and movies and tv shows and bishop robert baron the <laughs> word on fire if you're just really interested in maybe someone who thinks really deeply about being a christian and uh watches movies mm-hmm. and talks about movies oh he does mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah i think he's really cool cool yeah i feel like we could talk for hours but um we have to stop at some point you need to go to bed yeah, kind of <laughs> thank you for taking all this time. I know you're so tired, I'm sure, and everything. But I really, really enjoyed this, and I hope this made you think. If this didn't make you think, then I don't. I think you were falling asleep or something, because that could was... be possible. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. is an ASMR. <laughs> right. True. Yeah. All right. Thank Have you. Good night. Good night.
I know 